Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. Episode 51, 52 will be a year. So thank you so much for all you listeners uh, keeping this show going. And and uh, we got a good one for you tonight. Um, you know, I think it was kind of interesting. I was I took some time off, did a little vacation, got a chance to sit down and meditate and take myself away from the grind, so to speak, both at my, you know, sort of regular job and and, and grinding, uh, f- you know, fantasy content for the undroppables. And sometimes it's good to step away and just sort of reevaluate everything you've, you know, you've, you've been thinking, uh, you know, we, we tend to let recency bias cloud our vision. And sometimes it's good to look back at your previous takes and, you know, some of your firmly held uh, opinions and, you know, maybe think about why you changed them or why you didn't change them. So, you know, coming around on a player or team, and I'm starting to come around on a few few players that I was fading a little bit um, and a few teams that I was fading a little bit. We'll talk about that a little bit, but it takes some inward thinking and, you know, you can, because uh, uh, you can find opinions to support whichever way you want to go, you know, fade that player or, you know, or, or prop up that player or team and, and you'll find some, uh, you'll find some uh, supporting documentation or, or podcasts or voices to sort of back you up. So important to take some time away and, and think for yourself and try and line it all up and make some sense of it. And, here with me tonight to help me make some sense of it is the great Izzy Elkafaz from Dynasty Trade Calculator. Izzy, welcome to the show. What's going on, buddy? How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How you doing? Pretty good. You want to hear something funny? So yeah. um, you, I don't know how long you've been on Twitter, but I feel like you really came around like maybe two or three years ago, right? Yeah, that's about right. Okay. So for about a year and a half... We thought Hurley and I, my co-host and owner of Dynasty Trade uh, Calculator, yes, sir. thought you were our producer, John Mosier's burner account, <laughs> and we were we were convinced because a lot of the takes that you had were right out of John Mosier's back pocket. Oh, I love it! So we would just constantly screenshot, drop it into our chat. He's and he stay steadfast that it wasn't him. We just obviously didn't, but it didn't matter what he said. We believed that it was, it was him. And then it was kind of like, you never see two people, you know, you never see yeah, whatever the same, in the same, same room, room. Yeah, 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 yeah. type of thing. And then it kind of hit us like, well, it was official once we did the startup. <laughs> so like about two <laughs> weeks ago, there was still a chance that it was him and now it's not. And I think I also saw a picture of you. Yeah, I exist. So. Yeah, so I was like, okay, it's not him. Dude, it's funny you say that because um, I just got recently followed and, you know, asked a question on Twitter and, you know, complimented and it's a quote-unquote new account. I'm sure it's somebody's uh, somebody's burner, so I'll just call out somebody's burner right now. It's the F, uh, the underground FF, FF underscore underground. I guarantee you that's someone's uh, burner, you know, new to Twitter, tagged everybody, was like, what's going on, guys? You know, just this sort of uh, new new guy to the scene who just knows everybody. And, you know, so I always find that to be interesting. But, you know, he, he asked the question that's going to, you know, uh, start us off on topic one. But that is so funny. I mean, the burners, I'm, I'm famous for, you know, having a burner and, and uh, you know, a couple of them. And, and, you know, sometimes I talk to my burners, but I do so in jest. I don't actually, you know, uh, do so because I think I'm, you know, like 
talking in the third person, but you know, I do it and then I'll, I'll send it in the group chats as well. So yeah, we're always trying to figure out who the burners are. I'm, I'm glad that this, this Moser guy must be a, an absolute genius though. That's what I think. Biggest city I've ever met. Okay. Just kidding. No, no, he's, he's a good guy, but he's quiet. Like he doesn't, he's definitely the guy that would create a burner, not to necessarily try to throw people off, right? but to kind of create a different persona and create a different character as opposed to, he's like, he views himself as like an owner of DTC and a producer. So he doesn't like want to be giving out opinions and potentially being argumentative. So he would create a burner just to basically start from a clean slate and just be able to just be a guy. Well, not being argumentative on Twitter, that that's my MO. Am I right? I mean, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, because the first interaction we had, I don't remember what it was. Oh, yeah. I feel like it's Patriots related. Yeah, yeah. Because he's a huge Patriots fan. Oh, Jesus. And I was like, dude, Mosher's arguing with me right now because on Twitter and with a burner because everything that he says is what this guy's saying. That's great. So it was just kind of funny. It just kind of kicked out from there. So it's been a couple of years and officially it is no longer a joke because – well, and actually, the other you. the other thing you did that was really funny and cool. I don't know if you remember this, but you know, I I was somewhere on Twitter just saying this or that, and um, and you know, I, I sometimes you know, you guys have Dynasty Trade Calculator. We 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 are developing a calculator. Everybody's got a calculator for trades, and I think they're useful, right? But of mm-hmm. course, it's fun to make fun of the people who use calculator all the time. So I remember something you know came up, and I said, "Stupid fucking calculator" or something like that, right? You know, and you hopped in there like excuse me, bro, you know, because you guys are DTC, Dynasty Trade Calculator. So I was like, what? You know, I was like, not talking about, you You know, we got into a little, you know, kind of fun, but you were kind of standing up for your, you know, your product, of course, you know, and I like, you know, was, was, I was, I was graceful. Um, But then, and and graceful enough where you put me in your trade calculator, Jax Falcone, with like a, uh, a .33 like score. So I was basically worth like just a fourth round rookie. Pick. Yeah. 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 That's funny. Yeah. yeah I do I mean, remember that now. That was fun. I actually really love that. That was the kind of, that's the way that you're supposed to come back at somebody with a little bit of humor and, and uh, creativity. So I thought that oh, was I funny. agree. I thought that was dope. There. Yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> well, and that, that might explain JP too. I mean, he sort of, uh, uh, pursued me before we started to, uh, start the undroppables and and you know I thought I thought maybe I might go kind of you know work with you guys a little bit as JP and I had some some conversations about that you know when I was just sort of making a little bit of a name for myself and so maybe he was maybe he didn't think I was you know worthwhile at all he was just trying to make sure you know I wasn't I wasn't fake he was like yeah, yeah he's why don't you don't work out? with us yeah he's yeah. vetting <laughs> that explains no, it all now you know it's funny we actually um Mosier became an owner of our um company through we met him on twitter like hurley and i have known each other for 20 plus years and Mosier we met on twitter um so it would have been we would have had two Mosiers on the team you know yeah i mean you know it might have swung the balances where you you know this like i said this Moser guy sounds pretty smart i mean i you know obviously you know you should meet him yeah no totally um (laughs) let's uh let's let's um uh move the chains as they say and uh you know ton of news man what a uh what a week it's like i don't know i was talking to a friend of mine and and it was like there's finally shit to talk about you know what i mean it's like all off season we just kind of get into the you know i don't know it's just it's just a grind it's just a you know a haul trying to have new new content uh something to talk about and it's really you know people are not paying attention but right now man 
lots to talk about, lots to dissect and digest. Let's start with uh, Jacksonville. Because I think, you know, whether it's, you know, for Dynasty or Redraft, you know, obviously for Redraft, ETN is a zero, he's out. But, you know, we can certainly talk about, uh, you know, what we would do with ETN. I don't know if what you would do with ETN is the same as Acres. I do want to hear that. But let's start at the top with James Robinson. You know, it is, I let me just start by saying, anybody who listens to this podcast, Izzy, I was the king. Every, every podcast since the Super Bowl, maybe even before the Super Bowl, probably during the middle of the regular season last year. That's actually true. And in November, I think I was asking this question was, who is going to lead the Jacksonville Jaguars in running back touches in week one? James Robin Robinson or the rest of the world? You know, like literally the field. And I was under the impression that it was going to be somebody else. And certainly Travis Etienne comes in. I was live on the uh, live stream when they picked him with uh, Peter Howard. And I was just going nuts. Like this whole time, it's just been building to this sort of, I knew James Robinson would get eviscerated. And it goes even further back than that for me because I was a huge James Robinson fan, you know, coming out of the draft. Uh, Michael, my producer, was even a bigger one. Uh, we, we love James Robinson. And so here we are, full circle. And I think I know where I've got him. But I got to ask, what do, you, what do you think of this situation in Jacksonville? Yeah, I mean, I think the I think anybody with Dynasty experience um, – knew that there was a more than light, more than let's call it 80% chance to throw out a random number that James <laughs> yeah. Robinson would get company. Um, yeah. It was pretty obvious. They had multiple yeah. first round picks and ton of cap space. So if they didn't get in free agency, you knew it was going to happen in the draft. Just a lot of cap space, new coaching staff, shiny new quarterback. Um, it was just the writing was on the wall for James Robinson. And obviously now – you're starting to see people on Twitter kind of victory lap James Robinson. It's like, well, <laughs> right. you know, you were wrong, but now you're right um, in a way. Well, now you're fortunate. You, you were never right, but now you're fortunate. Right. Um, yeah, it's like uh, it's like hitting the gut shot straight draw and then seeing like, see, I was way ahead the whole time. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think that's a really good analogy. Um, I will say this. James Robinson's value um in redraft i don't th- let's say travis atn never was drafted and it was james robinson show sure his adp i feel like there's like this weird like cloak over james robinson now of even though atn is gone we still haven't really realized like james robinson in redraft should and could be a top 25 pick. Yeah. You can make that argument. Yep. Um, They don't have anybody right now that's going to take any touches away from him. First of all, second of all, we've already seen what he can do with all of the touches and how he's utilized. And third of all, I think they're going to have to really, utilize him in both facets of the game and unlike last season where you could actually look at James Robinson and say this is the guy that we need to stop that's no longer the case this season I think a lot of teams are going to sell out to try to stop the passing game potentially in Trevor Lawrence now the one concern is I think Urban Meyer's an absolute train wreck so I had a few Travis Etienne shares in Dynasty I sold two of them 
one of them before ATN got hurt, like two days before. And then the other one, the morning of the news that he got hurt or had the um, Liz Frank. And I just like Liz Frank and running backs. I want nothing to do with. It's not so good. I bailed. I got Devonta Smith. And then like three hours later, he was out for the season. So it's like I lucked out in terms of finding a trade partner last minute. Um, but long story short, I think in redraft, the needle is pointing straight up for James Robinson. And I think in Dynasty too, you yep. can say the same thing. Yep. Because Liz Frank yep. historically is not a good injury no. for running backs. Um, you know, it's kind of ever since Ronnie Brown, no thanks. Yeah. I'm actually more concerned about Travis Etienne going forward than I am about Cam Akers. And that's kind of weird because it used to be the Achilles was kind of the kiss of death. So very interesting that I feel that way. That almost based off nothing, but I guess it's just the foot is just a scary spot. You know, it's like with with Akers, you know, either they're gonna be able to stick that damn Achilles on his heel or they're not. You know, it's either gonna work or it isn't. Um, you know, but with this list, Frank, you're right. It it like tends to you know, be something that bothers them, keeps them in and out of the lineup. They get pain and stiffness and, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. I guess there's very low blood flow actually to both uh, spots. So it's not a good it's not a good injury for either guy. But going back to James Robinson, I currently have him right now as um, my player 28. Uh, I think that's like running back. I'm not looking at my exact running backs, but it's like, you know, uh, 16, 17, somewhere in there. Um you know, you can make a case for him to be a little bit higher. You can make him make a case for him to be a little bit lower. You know, it's like you you just start going up up and down the list. It's like, do you prefer? And you can answer. Do you prefer in redraft here, uh, James Robinson or Chris Carson? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm looking at but yeah, it's it's easily James Robinson. I have I'd right? have him above Clyde. I'd have him above Joe Mixon. There we go. Um, I'd have him basically. Uh, the the Antonio Gibson toe thing does worry me. I think a lot of people overlooking that. They say he's a hundred percent, but toes also just like feet, not a good thing for running. Unless you're Rex Ryan, who loves both of those. Um, yeah. You know, I want to stay away from somewhere guys that are Wes coming. Welker is smiling. Somewhere Wes <laughs> Welker is smiling. I love this. Keep going. Um, I want to stay away from even Aaron Jones, who's got the hammy injury. So anything lower body for running backs as they're going into the season. DeAndre Swift with a groin. Yeah. Like, if you're already pre-injured, I don't really want to touch you. Now, the James Urban Meyer is, is like if there wasn't if it was a legitimate coach, NFL coach that we could look and see, okay, this guy's going to have maybe success. We've seen him have success in the NFL level before and whatever, yada yada yada. We have something to go off of. I'd feel a lot more confident. But I think he's firmly in the top 20 and ahead of Mixon. I mean, Mixon if he He's got the offensive line issue, and he hasn't been very durable. Um, Clyde, because Andy Reid doesn't trust any running back with the full workload. Um, you know, even dating back to Jamal, he was splitting da- uh, splitting carries with with Nile Davis. If you remember back like eight years ago, so it's like it's always something. So for me, J.K. Dobbins, same thing. We're I think we're going to touch on him here in a yep. little bit. Um, even if you take Mark Ingram out of the picture, that's only 70 carries that Mark Ingram had last year, roughly 70, 70 to 80, somewhere in that range. Well, Dobbins really, even if you took those carries and gave them to Ingram, he's like barely over 200 carries. That's so what I think like, he's going to get. Yeah. That's why. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So a lot of those guys, uh, I'm taking James Robinson over, over them. So I think he's a top 20 player just based on the volume that he's going to get. Yep. Um, where the other guys aren't guaranteed to get that. 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of, you know, I've been kind of listening to a few analysts uh, this week kind of, uh, you know, figure out where he falls. And, you know, it's one thing because, you know, if you're drafting, you know, with Sharps or if you're drafting versus, you know, your home league, it could be a little bit different because the ADP is going to have him down in the 50s or something like that. They're probably not going to update it on, you know, Yahoo and ESPN. So they're going to have to scroll way down. And so you're going to be able to kind of pick where you want them, maybe the second or third round. You might not have to, you know, spend that second round pick. You might be able to get them in the third. It's going to be interesting because it only takes one guy to sort of look at you know a good set of rankings and and beat you to the punch. So it's going to be tricky in a lot of situations. But for me, just ranking him, I think you're right on the money. I think there's that top 12, as I now have Najee Harris firmly in that top 12 uh, running backs. You know, McCaffrey, Cook, uh, Zeke, Kamara, Jones, Henry, Eckler, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon, Chubb, Najee. And then you get to this spot that you're talking about, which is the Antonio Gibson CEH, Dobbins, James Robinson, Mixon, Carson. Maybe you could throw Montgomery and Swift in there. It kind of gets a little bit murky after that. But that little second round, second, third round back, you know, it's you're right. It's hard to to say that I don't want James Robinson at least as much or more than any of those sort of second tier uh, running backs. And so for that reason, he may be the running back 13, somewhere in there. Yeah, I, I'd put him at 12. I'd actually put him... Pretty close to Eckler. I think the Eckler thing is a little overblown. We once again with him, we don't. It's a volume thing. We don't know how much volume he's actually going to get. Right. Um, we're just surmising that he's going to get a lot of volume, but we don't know. No. Um, so I, I I think the cutoff is right after Harris. So when you talked about Chubb and Taylor and Barkley and Zeke, Henry, Kamara, Cook and and uh, McCaffrey. Yep. So like those ten, I think the drop off is pretty large. And then you can make a case for that seven to nine guys that we rattled off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely some question marks. I mean, I think any good dynasty player, which you are, you know, has that paranoia, the productive paranoia that I call it in the back of their mind. Like, you know, what could go wrong? You know, and it's like, I I was, I think it was with Justin Boone on the pod a few weeks ago. I was like, you can find an excuse for each guy, like, Mm -hmm. especially after McCaffrey and Cook and even McCaffrey and Cook. I mean, they've had their own, you know, injury situations and, you know, whatever. But, you know, there's like, there's a reason to be a little skeptical about every player as you go along. And, you know, that's what we do. I mean, we have to fade risk. And, you know, you really, if you, if, Look, if I told you the two running backs you take in rounds one and two will both see 300 touches, you'd be like, "Great, that's fucking perfect." I don't, get, I don't, I don't care yeah. about anything else. I'm that's great. Sign me up, right? Yeah. Like it doesn't even matter. Yeah, and and dynasty is what's what's nice about dynasty. I think it separates the the surface level players and like the guys that can actually get it. There's so much that goes into making dynasty decisions um, than just like, how good is this guy going to be? Or how good is this player? You know, you got to look at contracts. You got to look at coaching staffs. You got to look at salary caps. You got to just like, you got to understand, especially at the running back position, who you can actually count on and who you're playing with fire with. And, you know, James Robinson, which is like one of those where redraft, the only concern I have is urban Meyer, where all the other guys we named, they're legitimately, bigger concerns for me um but in dynasty the concern level is significantly higher right james robinson correct um bingo so it's just like it changes substantially 
Um, and, and it that's what makes dynasty so difficult because even with a guy like myself, who's been doing it for 15 years, um, I consider myself to be pretty good at it. Uh, I don't have a good idea of where to rank James Robinson because so much of it is predicated on ATN and I'm not a doctor and I'm not a surgeon. So I don't know how ATN is going to respond to this injury and what that looks like. I have no idea. Right. So a lot Mm -hmm. of the unknowns where a lot of people will make these decisions and they'll feel like they know what's going to happen. And we don't, we have no idea how ATN is going to respond to the surgery and we don't know what type of back he's in. The funny thing is we don't even know if he's good. We don't. We don't know right? that. Yeah, and and I will speak to that. But you said something that was pretty smart, you know. And and um, you know, it's like if if it, during this off season you had taken James Robinson and traded him straight up for Cam Akers, literally everybody would have been like, "Steal!" Oh, what a you know. And now we're going in the season, and you'd have been like, "See, you know." I mean, so you kind of never know what's going to happen, obviously. And those those types of things, these injuries, the you know, who, who, you know, what team drafts, who do they release that guy? Does Sony Michelle get traded? Right. All these things, these ripple effects, you kind of have to see coming, you know, um, and, and I'll get to some of those things, you know, pretty soon. Like I'll, I'll actually say one thing, you know, it's like with, with Daryl, Daryl Henderson, I had said, you know, I'd sent out a tweet because everybody was starting to move him up, including myself, by the way, I was starting to follow the crowd. And I literally the moment before they, um, the, the, this all happened. I actually uh, released some redraft rankings, and of course, they're like, like literally before the ETN and, and Daryl Henderson stuff. It was like right before, and of course, totally worthless stuff now. But um, so, but I, I had said, you know, Daryl Henderson has never seen a snap share over fifty five percent in a single game in his career. While he has upside, he has this sort of sneaky trap door floor, and you won't see it coming. And that's kind of the point. Is like this whole time. You know, in the offseason, I was thinking they're going to add someone just like just like uh, Jacksonville was going to add someone. It wasn't just Carlos Hyde. If it had been just Carlos Hyde, that would have been amazing. But um, they were going to add someone to that room. And it's the same thing I felt like with uh, the Rams. They weren't just going to go with Xavier Jones and Jake Funk. Like that wasn't going to happen. That was just never going to happen. They were going to either trade for a guy, which they did, or wait for waivers, uh, you know, cuts and things like that, and then grab someone off waivers and bring them in. Uh, that, that was almost – 95 to 99% sure that was going to happen. So that's why I was sort of last on Daryl Henderson to be like, yeah, let's go Daryl Henderson. I mean, it was kind of like, I see the upside, but I also see the the trapdoor floor. And as a dynasty player, you probably see those things coming a lot better than just as a redraft player, right? Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. And and the kind of Daryl Henderson point, it's like we've had three years now where Sean McVay and the Rams have showed us Every possible reason why they don't want him to be the guy, like 100%. every around every turn, there's always something that gets in Darrell Henderson's way, and then even that's Malcolm not even Brown. including, yeah, exactly. It's Malcolm <laughs> yeah. Brown, it's drafting yeah. Cam Akers, it's the whole thing. Like even when Darrell Henderson's healthy, Cam Akers is the guy, and then it's it, even if it's not the Rams and McVeigh getting in Darrell Henderson's way, Darrell Henderson is getting in his own way because he can't stay healthy. Yep. So it's like everything points to just sell. Buy, you know, sell the opportunity to move him for a high draft pick or some other exchange player. Um, now, I'm guilty of it where I have way too many leagues and I I have him in a couple leagues and I didn't even shop him. Like, I just, right. I'm just busy. Yes, um, but, I agree. But if if I had one or two leagues, you better believe, and I had a Daryl Henderson share, yes. he would have been gone. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, that's right. Yeah. Th- th- that's a key point, actually. Those who are in a lot of leagues. I have some leagues I like, I'll look up and be like, oh, shit, I still have him. Fuck, I was supposed to, you know, I should have, you know, my advice was to get rid of him. And there he is on my fucking team, you know, so you're 100% right. But if you have one or two teams, it's like, I had I had two dynasty leagues at one point when I was just starting to get into it. And I had those two rosters memorized. I knew every player I had, you know, 35, whatever it was, 35, 40 deep or whatever. I had them memorized. I knew exactly who I had and what draft picks I had. I still kind of have that, not memorized anymore, but I kind of know where I've got people. But, you know, when you have one or two, you should really know the sort of the the makeup and and texture of that of that dynasty team and, and how you can make it better. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think James Robinson, I think you're a bit higher than me and, and I don't hate it. You know, um, I think there's, well, I guess why, like what, what concerns you about James Robinson this season over all the other guys? Like, why would you take the other guys over? So you mentioned, do you, do you have Clyde over him? Super close, man. I I think I do. I think I've Clyde over him. Just, uh, why? I think, well, similar players, similar role, Similar opportunity well, share, better offense. Do they really have a similar role and opportunity? I think so. Yeah. I so think do you so. think Clyde is going to be the guy? I don't think that James Robinson is going to see the most uh, opportunity share in the history of the NFL like he did last year. So you think that it's going to be who is going to be the guy that's going to get in his way? Uh, not in his way, just sort of he he saw so much volume last year, and I don't think the team's going to be scoring a ton of touchdowns this year. I just don't see it, you know, whereas in Kansas City, they're going to score a lot. J.K. Dobbins is not going to get the target share that James Robinson is. He's not going to get the carries that James Robinson is, but he's going to average five and a half yards a carry and probably score 12 touchdowns, right? I don't so, think he will, though. Oh. Right? Because J.K. Dobbins, I love, I love in Dynasty – well, I want talent. to love him in redraft. Yeah. yeah, it's just like, you know, can we segue to, to him? Because we're probably going to talk about him next, Let's potentially. Do it. Yeah, so I had asked you, and, I, and you know, I'd heard the the GOAT, Evan Silva, mention the similarities between the Dobbins and Chubb situation. And I just thought, that's interesting. You know, we're, we're, we're spending a first-round pick for, for Nick Chubb, and, you know, we're f- maybe a fourth round. Sometimes he goes in the third or creeps to the second, but, you know, Certainly a third round pick generally with with Dobbins, if not a little bit, you know, give or take, right? And so it's like I was I was kind of wondering is, and I had asked some people on Twitter and some people in my you know group chats is, is J.K. Dobbins sort of the arbitrage Nick Chubb play where you could get Tyreek Hill and Dobbins instead of Chubb and you know Lockett or whatever, you know what I mean? And I, I you know I'm, I don't know, and it sounds like you're skeptical about what Dobbins well, is actually no. going. Yeah, there you go. Tell me why. You you can't draw comparisons because Nick Chubb never played with a quarterback that carried 160 times in a season. Like Lamar Jackson led that team in carries. They ran 555 times, and J.K. Dobbins only got 134 carries. And if even if you give him mark all of Mark Ingram touch all of his touches, he's just at 200. So, and that's with 555 carries, and he's at 200. I'm that's okay assuming with that they don't. That's assuming they don't a pass the ball more or b give some of those 72 touches to Gus Edwards, who only had 144 carries last season. Gus Edwards actually led the t- led the running back room in carries by 10 over Dobbins. I don't see how. So let me ask you this: 
let's say they're at 550 carries again. How is Dobbins getting to Chubb territory? I don't think he's getting to Chubb territory necessarily, by the way. I think it's Chubb Well, how is he going to be Chubb light? So I'll I'll explain. So last year, uh, Nick Chubb played 12 games, got 18 targets. So that's a problem in the Stefanski offense. He saw a lot more targets Mm -hmm. the year before that. And with Kareem Hunt on the field, uh, I just don't see a target share upside for Chubb. And it's really hard to create in any sort of, um, you know, Unless, unless you factor ch- uh, Hunt out because of injury or something. like, It's really hard to give him target share. So I think target share is gone. Now, I do think that Chubb probably gets 275 carries and probably you know, really good efficiency because that offensive line is probably the best in the sport. And mm-hmm. they're going to – the Stefanski offense is schemed well. So I think Chubb could definitely you know, approach 1,500 yards, 12 touchdowns, no doubt, rushing. What I think with Dobbins, I think you're right. I think he gets about 200 – 210. Now you're saying give him all the uh, Ingram touches. I'm not looking at it that way because I'm looking at it uh, in the second half of the season. He was between 13 and 15 carries a game. If you just give him what he was getting then, just that sort of pace, nothing nothing crazy. Not a, not like 20 carries a game, nothing like that. Just keep him between 13 and 15. Maybe I'll have some games now where he'll peak at 17, 18. He might have some 10-carry games. I think he's generally going to see 13 to 15 carries a game. In that ballpark, that puts him right at around 200. I think it's probably a little bit more. I think they try to feature him a little bit more in his second year. Say I say 200 to 220. If he gets that, I'll just give you some quick ones. Uh, in 2019, <clears throat> um, Mark Ingram was at like 5.2 yards per carry. Uh, Gus Edwards has never in his three years at Baltimore been below five yards a carry. Mm-hmm. To say that J.K. Dobbins won't be at five yards a carry, if he doesn't, um, I would imagine he has a two list franks because there's no chance he's going to see five and a half yards of carry, maybe more. He had six yards of carry last year. I think he's going to be extremely efficient in that offense. So I think 200 to 220 will get him to a thousand yards. And I think there's going to be a ton of touchdowns scored on the ground by that team. And so I think, you know, look, eight to 12, it could be more than that. Obviously, he could have this crazy output. He was scoring a touchdown a game down the stretch when he was sort of the you know, the lead feature back. So uh, there's a lot of ground touchdowns to be scored. I think he's going to score a lot of them. Now, he has a floor because if he sees 170 or 180 carries, which would be a death knell, that'd be about 10 a, 10 a game, which I don't I don't foresee. Um, but if he does, he sees that and doesn't get much target share, yeah, he's got a lower floor, which is why he goes later. But I think his upside is, is tied to the efficiency of that offense and the amount of touchdowns he can score, which makes him a little fragile, of course. I get it. Yeah, so there, there is the way that you're describing, there is potential for that to happen. So I'll agree with you there. You mentioned, well, why would I take Chubb when I get Dobbins in you know, the second round and then I can do yada, yada, yada? Well, and I, I, I want well, Dobbins in the third, by the way, not the third second round. round. So third round. <laughs> Let's take it a step further. Why yeah. wouldn't you just fade Dobbins and get Gus Edwards seven rounds after that? I have been kind of fading Dobbins. I don't have a ton of Dobbins. It yeah, was really, so yeah. I, I am well, with the right you. The answer is Gus Edwards, and I, I, yeah, I in our I dra- draft Gus. that we have, um, Dynasty draft, I picked up Gus Edwards in our Dynasty draft because I think you can flip running back in Dynasty. Having running backs, you treat them like redraft, uh, in my opinion. Um, but like for me, I'd rather take Gus Edwards at his cost than J.K. Dobbins at his cost. Um, it's just. They're probably going to see roughly the same amount of touches on the ground. I think Dobbins will get more receptions. Um, but Gus Edwards is no slouch. 
He's a really good football player. Yep, and he's going to play. Uh, absolutely. I, I don't disagree with that at all, by the way. I think I think it's like 200 and, you know, maybe, a, a you know, I think Gus will see 8 to 10 carries. He'll see 12 to 15. You know, it's going to be very close. There's, I, I said it before. I think there's going to be games where Gus Edwards, you know, just outscores Dobbins for sure. Like, you know, he'll get the two touchdowns and Dobbins will have, you know, 10 carries for 52 yards. And you'll be like, shit, that sucked, you know. But there's going to be games where Dobbins just goes bonkers. You know, uh, 180 yards, two touchdowns on the ground or some crazy shit just because they, they're rolling somebody. But, um, yeah, I, I, you're right. There's It's not as steady and it's certainly a little bit, you know, I'm, I'm getting a lot more J.K. Dobbins in best ball, but – you know, a little less excited for him in a redraft setting. Look, in Dynasty, as you point out, you know, the kid's just so fucking good that, you know, I mean, if he if he were to somehow get, you know, like you say, 70% of the running back opportunity in that in that backfield, then he's, a, you know, oh, you, yeah. you'd draft him as a top 10 running back if you knew that. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, if that was the case, yeah, 100%. But but we don't know that, and I get that. that that's what I'm getting at is, like, he has that Chubb sort of – you know, prototype where it's the, the targets are of concern. The offensive line is great. The system's great. The efficiency is great. The volume yeah. won't be there. I agree in that context. That. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And, uh, you know, I think probably if we, if you look where we were talking before, which was, you know, uh, you know, the, the sort of the Daryl Henderson, uh, Sony Michelle, now Sony Michelle comes in. How badly does this hurt Daryl Henderson? I know we sort of talked about him not being real to begin with. So, you know, as far as it hurts him, I just I'm curious what you think is the sort of split there. Um, do you think Sony Michelle actually outtouches him? What do you think? Yeah. So a lot of people on Twitter seem to have a very strong opinion one way or the other. And yeah, I see a lot of it where you start noticing who the really, really good dynasty players or fantasy analysts are. And the really, really I don't want to say naive is that the ones that have a definitive opinion are the ones that you, that are wrong. Right. Because we have no idea. Zero. Um, all we know is that Sean McVay doesn't like Darrell Henderson as a lead back. back, Exactly. As a lead back. But what does that really mean? Does that mean that he's trying to preserve Darrell Henderson because he gets hurt a lot? Or does that mean that he doesn't trust him as an early down back? Because if you look at statistically, he's been fine. Yeah. So the we don't know the answer to that. But the answer to that really dictates a lot of this. So is Sony Michelle going to be a thing? Absolutely undeniable. They wouldn't yeah. have tra- they wouldn't have brought him in. They could have just brought a body in. There's plenty of bodies out there they could have just brought in. So they want somebody that they deem to be of quality that is going to get touches. How many touches? Nobody knows. So what I will say about Darrell Henderson is I think he's got flex appeal in redraft. But you should be... Either A, praying for a Sony Michelle injury, or B, just trading him now. Because I just don't see a situation where Darrell Henderson can really be valuable enough to trust on a week-to-week basis. Um, there's there's potential for it. There, Sony could be just a glorified, you know, inside the 20s running back. But even then, that hurts Darrell Henderson. Yes, that's right. So no matter how you twist the Sony Michelle news – 
There's a lot of people that barely moved Darrell Henderson down in the rankings. I believe firmly that that is wrong, but I don't know how far the drop should be. Well, I'll 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 let you try and figure that out with me because I was looking at it today. Um, I'll play a little this or that redraft. Just you know who who you prefer if you're on the clock in a redraft situation: uh, Daryl Henderson or Chase Edmonds. There it is. That's, that's um, <laughs> it's so hard. They're like the same it, guy. It, it is. It is not because it's because we don't know Darrell Henderson's role. Like right. that's what makes it difficult. So you could ask somebody: so Darrell Henderson or Kareem Hunt? Kareem Hunt. Me too. Darrell Henderson or Javante Williams? Javante Williams. Darrell Henderson, Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. Yeah. So after and, Kareem, and here's the thing: Josh Jacobs yeah. is like he's a really good by low potentially, or just kind of like everybody's kind of faded Josh Jacobs, but they have one of the most difficult schedules in the league. Their offensive line is ass. Their offense is not very good in general. Um, So Josh Jacobs, even though he's a huge discount is still like, I'm, I want to buy the fade, but I can't buy the fade because of how bad Oakland is. So, you know, so like I'd rather have Josh Jacobs, but it's like, man, what to expect out of him this season? Right. I'm not worried about Kenyon Drake, but just like, it's going to be, he's going to be grinding. So, so here's a good one Damian Harris or Darrell Henderson. Oh, uh, yeah. See, that one's, this, this falls in the same line. <laughs> yeah. Because just like we don't know how Sean McVay is going to view Darrell Henderson this season, we don't know how Bill Belichick is going to view any running back ever. So I think now, he, I, I think I, I think this just puts him in that running back dead zone, the actual running back dead zone where you know it's scary to draft these guys just because of uncertainty. Mike Davis, mm-hmm. uh, Zach Moss, Singletary. You know what? All these guys. You know Gus Edwards is actually the more safe play. You know I think if you're just I, I would draft receiver in that spot and draft Gus Edwards. Like I'm totally mm-hmm. with you on that. It's just like I if would, you're look yeah if you're looking for yeah. just floor and like weekly stability, just put Gus Edwards in your flex and you're good. I, I agree with that. To answer your question, I'd take Damian Harris over Henderson just based on the fact that he he provides a little bit more upside because he could legitimately be, you know, the guy on first and second down and he might sneak in Dobbins like, you know, 18 to 25 receptions in a season. Um, and he could be your you know, Damian Harris, also very highly efficient. He could be your poor man's chub. I agree. I think, uh, you know, Dobbins is your poor man's chub. Harris is your poor man's uh, Dobbins. Uh, you know, did I say that right? You know, yeah, you could, yeah. all three are, are sort of arbitrage plays on each other. And yeah, the, the, the target share is not going to be there, but the road grading badass offensive line with an efficient, uh, you know, run offense and just questionable volume. Like if, if we knew... Damian Harris and Nick uh, and and J.K. Dobbins were getting 250 plus carries this year. They would move way up. I, I think, and I drafted also Damian Harris. And the reason why I drafted Damian Harris is I think they really want to start Mac Jones. Yeah, and Damian Harris is a good. He's a reliable pass blocker. Whereas I don't know how Stevenson is going to do in that role where I feel like Harris, we can, there is some reliability there. So I think that gives him the leg up. Yeah. I also there, think Sony Michelle being traded is yep. also big for Damian Harris and 
Stevenson. I don't know which one it actually means more for. Are they so happy with Damian Harris that they want that they feel Sony Michelle is expendable, or is Ramondre Stevenson so much better than they thought? And now Sony Michelle. So who is it? Bingo. Or is it a combination of both? It's a great question. I totally agree with that. In other words, it's going to benefit one of them. It might have been that Damian Harris was going to get all of it to begin with. And then once Ramondre was good enough to be like, dude, this guy could play. Like, we don't need Sony. That could have been it. Or it could have been the other way around, 100%. I do think either way it bodes well for Ramondre Stevenson who at least has a runway to opportunity given an injury for to Harris or whatever, you know, whereas before he would have been sort of blocked with Michelle anyway. So uh, it does open up, you know, a lot of goal line opportunities for Ramondre. So, you know, God, we go way back with Ramondre. One of my pods in, you know, uh, early uh, February was a Ramondre Stevenson pod. So, you know, it's pretty cool. He plays for my Pats. That's that's a lot of fun. I, I, I love it. I just it. hate that. I hate, I hate. New England running backs. I just can't. Oh, yeah. Can't. It's awful. Um, even though I did. I, I did. Here's the thing. Now, if you look at Damian Harris, let's say this was a situation like six or seven years ago. Damian Harrison would be a top 30 pick. Yeah. In redraft. And probably a top 30 pick in Dynasty. The Bill Belichick discount. Yep. Now makes him viable where he's being drafted. So even though we're scared, it's baked in. So you're getting all of the upside. And then really the downside is he splits with Stevenson. Right. So you're buying him at his floor, I feel like, in the offense. Or close to. Yeah, close, or close to. to it. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, I, in Dynasty, you're getting him in like what? I don't know where I got him, but like ninth, 10th round, something like that. In Very redraft, efficient. In yeah. redraft, he's probably, I don't know, where is he Where is he going in redraft? I'll I can check. tell you right now. Yeah, I'll tell um, you. And in redraft, he's going. He's got to be in the in the Mike Davis territory, no? Yeah, he's got to be moving up there. Uh, but, Let but, me uh, see. So Damian Harris right now on underdog has an ADP of eighty one, which is crazy. Yeah, um, and I'm sure that's moving up, 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 especially now. So I would imagine he's at least a sixth round pick going in that. You know, like you say, Mike Davis. Uh, 62 ADP. So I think that's right. And that sixth round is probably more likely where he's going just after, you know, Javante Kareem hunt. He's got to be in that spot. Um, he's, he's back behind uh, chase Edmonds, miles Gaskin, Trey sermon. I don't think that lasts long since the Michelle trade. Yeah. And I'm checking too. Uh, yeah. 70, 79. Yeah. Yep. 70. So 71, 79. So a couple different spots. So, or you said 81. Yeah, that that's the underdog yeah. ADP. So, but, yeah, so yeah. it's like it's all in the same ballpark. Yep. Um, and that's pretty damn low. Yes, that's super. That's super cheap. Like if you're if you're getting him at ADP, it's 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 just such a bargain. So I'm with you 100. Uh, percent The other Harris that I think you know I need to have a little bit of a heel toe on is Najee Harris and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Something's just got me a little bit more excited about this Steeler team. Uh, they they felt very uninspiring toward the end of the season last year. Their offensive line was in shambles. They did little to uh, repair that in the offseason, but I think they're at least, you know, there's talk of them being a little bit more creative. Najee Harris is going to be obviously loaded with opportunity. And I think this Pittsburgh team is starting to grow on me a little bit more. And and I don't think they're necessarily going to win the Super Bowl. I do think that they're going to make a push for the playoffs now, where I thought they were probably going to be a you know six to nine win team somewhere in there and miss the playoffs. I think that maybe they can push for you know nine or ten or eleven wins now. 
Um, they're, they're just feeling a little bit stronger to me. I think it all hinges on whether Big Ben can stay healthy, of course, because one of the things that really crapped me out about Pittsburgh, too, is they just failed to secure a backup quarterback, which I thought was kind of malpractice two years in a row now, really. Um, you know, after the Duck Hodges, you know, whatever situation a couple years ago, I thought they really should have, you know, even Jameis Winston, I thought could have been an, an opportunity for them, uh, you know, last year. So this year they also did very little to, to solve that, that, that problem. So if big Ben goes down there in big trouble, but as they are right now, I love this Steeler team a little bit more than I did, uh, you know, a few months ago. And Najee Harris is climbing up my ranks and he's really climbing up draft boards too. Are you with me? Yeah. You look at, um, we talk about downside and, you know, red flags and all of that. Najee Harris doesn't really have any. No. Outside of us not knowing if he's good or not. But, you know, I could with confidence say that he's going to be a pretty good player. I think so. Um, Another thing too, it's, you could make the only case is that the run game is or the the offensive line is is not good. It's um, not good. Probably a bottom five to seven offensive line for sure. Uh, so I, I I see him having more of like a so he, he reminds me very much of of Stephen Jackson, big bodied running back um, grinder. He kind of has the same like you know just there's something about him that screams Stephen Jackson to me. Um, he he really great hand catch out of the backfield for being for being a big back. Yep. So I view this situation kind of like the 2010 Rams situation where I think he's going to be under four yards to carry. So I don't think he's going to be very efficient, <laughs> but oh, I think I he's going to get his 275 to 300, you know, 275 to 325 range in terms of carries. Yep. Um, and he's going to probably get 40 to 50 receptions. Yeah, I was going to so, say over 50 targets. I agree. Yeah, so I, I, I think I'd be surprised if he didn't like they they made it an emphasis last year to get the ball to Big Ben's hands, the fastest in like the last decade almost. So you know they want to get the ball out. So if they can dump it off to Najee Harris, relieve some of the pressure, they don't want Big Ben getting hurt. He's had durability issues, and last season he actually did not get hurt, and it was the season where he just got the ball out and didn't take hits. So that's the recipe to keep him healthy. So I think Najee Harris, and that's why Deontay Johnson was so good last season um, in terms of the amount of targets that he got. I think that continues again this year, this season, and Najee Harris doesn't have anybody behind him. I think McFarland's actually a really underrated player. I think he's actually pretty good. Um, if you remember, you know, before in his sophomore season, we were talking about McFarland potentially being the starter. A, yeah, yeah. No, no. What I'm saying, and it's he was going to be a. a high-end running back in, in Dynasty yeah. League. In Debbie Leagues, he was going super high. I'm, so I was like, a fan. Yeah, so I think he's an underrated player. Um, but Najee's going to be the guy. The Steelers, Mike Tomlin specifically, like we know the franchise and what to expect. Yep. And what we can expect is Najee's going to be the guy. So there's really very little downside outside of the – Small risk that Najee Harris is horrible. Uh, and then secondarily, the risk that the offensive line is terrible, but that will be trumped by volume. So it's really a low-risk proposition for Najee I Harris. Agree. And I just offered somebody Swift in Dynasty Swift for Harris. Um, I got rejected. Yeah, but that, that makes sense. Uh, I don't 
It's C close, of, and a PPR. Yeah, league. I think I they're mean, in the same ballpark. Yeah. yeah, I think they're in the same ballpark. I'd rather have, um, you know, we've seen DeAndre Swift. The Lions have a really good offensive line. Yes. But Anthony Lynn scares the shit out of me. And <laughs> yeah. Najee Harris, I think, will be a you know top five to eight startup pick next season. It's funny that, uh, that you know, back-to-back on the show sheet is Najee and DeAndre Swift when you were just offered that or whatever. That's fantastic. Maybe I got you thinking. Maybe that was ma- what made you offer it. But no, uh, I think the, the thing that scares me about the offensive line for Pittsburgh is not really Najee's efficiency because you can't pencil him in for like more than four yards of carry. I mean, it's just... It's just, you know, he might get there. I'm not saying that he can he can't get there. It's just you can't pencil that in. Like you just gotta know it's volume based uh and not efficiency based production with him. And he's gonna see all game situations because he's their best pass catcher, he's their best goal line back. Uh they drafted him in the first round. Uh they, they need to make that pick stick and look good. So they're certainly gonna give him every opportunity. I think mm-hmm. he is a good player. Um, so, you know, when it comes down to it, I think that that kind of goes away. The thing about the offensive line that scares me is Ben getting hurt. And then what? Then you have Dwayne Haskins. We saw du- what Dwayne Haskins did with that Washington team. It's not good. It, it's going to be ugly. And, and so It'll they be go Mason, to, though. Okay, so they go to Mason Rudolph. That's not yeah. good either. Like, no, I, my not. point, you know, it's, it's I, I don't want that. Like, if, if your favorite team said, we're going with Mason Rudolph as our starting quarterback, you're not happy. That's all I know. Um, you know, that's just a fact. So I, I'm not too excited about their backup quarterback possibilities. Look, maybe if they're good, they make a trade for a Marcus Mariota or something like that. I don't know. But the point is, is at that point, the whole offense is just dog shit because a bad offensive line with a bad quarterback is a bad combination. Mm-hmm. So that's my concern. Mason's looked okay in the preseason, but that's preseason. <sighs> Yeah, I, I can't I can't get with it, man. I just can't get with it. That's my biggest concern. And and you know, Ben is is old. He's gonna be thirty nine this coming year. I think he's thirty eight right now. And boy, oh boy. They they say his body is in good shape and he, he he's taking care of himself. I hope so, man. I you know, look, I hate injuries. I've said it a million times. you know, I want Ben to be on the top of his game. I'd love to see it and love to see those Baltimore again, that's yeah. the other thing too. That division outside of Cincinnati. I mean, they're going to have to play Baltimore twice and Cleveland twice. Cleveland might have the best roster in the entire NFL. So that's a that's a damn good team. And, yeah, but and, their strength of schedule outside of their their division is very soft. Sure. So they should be they should be fine. And I know the Big Ben concern, but if they they did change offensive corners, but yes. if they continue with the let's get the ball out quick and yes. that's the emphasis think Big Ben was at two or two point one seconds per drop back. So he's not gonna get hurt if he gets the ball that fast on yeah, average. Izzy, I was joking last year, he didn't even find the laces. I mean, he was just shot putting it forward. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty quick, obviously. But you know, hey, look, they're getting him under center a little bit more than I look, I watched I watched a couple of Pittsburgh games and they would line up literally in 12, 12 personnel in the same formation shotgun just over and over and over and over again with, you know, Claypool on one side, uh, Deontay on the other, Juju in the slot set hut, you know, it was just like, it was Mm -hmm. just like so predictable. And Ben would just go back there and the guys were just like, they look uninspired on the outside, just running the same routes every time. No pre-step motion. They were, they were a little uninspired. Um, so th- that that was a, a concern, but you're right. The new offensive coordinator slipping my the name slipping my mind, but regardless, he, he, the reports are a lot more creativity, a little bit more with him under center too, which I think helps them with play action, which I think Ben is very good at. 
Um, you know, so when he gets a chance to see the field, he can make big plays. So I, I like it. I think they're, I'm a little bit, a little bit higher on them. You had mentioned a guy that uh, is a concern with a soft tissue injury going into the season. And that's DeAndre Swift. Um, there was the, uh, the Lynn quotes about Jamal Williams being a, uh, an A back. He wasn't talking about one A and one B. He was talking about the type of back and how A means, you know, f- uh, a lead back and a B means more of a space or satellite back. And he was calling Jamal an A back and DeAndre a, a, a B back, which is a little bit concerning. And he's a, and he's a D back. Yeah, there you go. Well yeah, said, all right. Boom. I'd hate Anthony Lynn. Um, totally. I don't trust him. I, I don't, I, I don't, the thing is, I would look at that situation and be like, there's no way he's serious, but he's such an idiot that he might be. I think he's serious. I don't think he sees DeAndre Swift as a what he is, which is totally capable of of, of carrying the load. And look, I'm, I'm not suggesting that any running back in today's NFL should see Emmett Smith, <clears throat> LaDainian Tomlinson touches. I think that's just a recipe for injury. But, um, but DeAndre Swift is pretty damn close to – that type of player if he was asked to do it he's he's really damn good yes but the problem is jamal williams like the per, he's like the teacher's pet he's like the perfect yep like running back to just get in the way because he's so reliable great pass um, blocker yeah he's so reliable in just about every facet but he's not really good at anything he's great at pass blocking but other than that he's just like meh at everything else. Yeah, he's an 80 um, across the board, right? Yeah, you know what I mean? I mean he like, got, oh, look, he's good at everything. He got he got in Aaron Jones's way yep. for the longest time, and it's just like, yeah, I worry about it. I worry about it. Yeah. I think he's a massive sell in Dynasty. He's probably the biggest. I think when we look at the guys that are going to disappoint the most this, this season, I think it's going to be DeAndre Swift. And, and I, and I don't think it's going to be at a fault of his own. I think right. it's partially the growing, and it's partially Anthony Lynn. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with you. It's definitely going to be a an interesting situation. I, the one thing that's held me back from going all in on a DeAndre Swift fade is how good that offensive line is, yeah, and how really much good, I yeah. think uh, Campbell's going to want to run the ball and be this sort of weird throwback, you know, bite your ankle offensive line, shove you around team, which actually could be okay for them because I don't think they're going to be you know moving the ball with Jared Goff, you know, converting third downs with that receiving core. Yeah, but I think with Swift because he hasn't been practicing and all of that, I I think we buy the dip on DeAndre Swift. Yeah, I because agree. The first few weeks, I think it'll be more Jamal Williams show than it is going to be a DeAndre Swift show. Not because they think Jamal Williams is the guy; they just don't think DeAndre Swift has the um, just the lungs for it. Yeah, no, he that's right. I think he could be an early season, you know, fade, so to speak, and then buy the dip in week two, three, four, whenever it's sort of like looking terrible for him. I agree with you 100%. Um, yeah, this one's fun. I, you know, I'm, I should have been, I, you know, I think about all the things I think about and I never, I don't get them all out on the, on the pod. You know, I just don't get a chance to say everything that I want to say. And what's crazy is I have a fucking two hour podcast and somehow I can't figure it out. But, Marquez Callaway, Jameis Winston, this whole situation in New Orleans has been fun as shit. And I think it's going to be great. I want, for for my entertainment purposes, I want Jameis starting. Um, do you think Jameis is going to get the starting gig? And 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 who you think gets it, what do you think that means for this team? He should. He yeah, should. I think so too. Um, I joked on Twitter, uh, also drafted Jameis in our, our start rep. Um, 
he's going to be the starter until he throws four picks in a game. So that'll be week two. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> the the thing is with Jameis is hey, hey, he's actually, hey, Izzy, Izzy, Izzy. Yeah. You you know what you want, right? You want his first pass as a saint in the regular season to be a pick six, right? It has to be. Like, it would be oh. it would be very Jameis Winston of Jameis Winston. To Just do. spot him seven, Jameis. Let's fucking go, baby. Yeah. Anyway, go I ahead. think I'm he's sorry. actually. Uh, I think he's a good quarterback that just makes some. He doesn't understand his limitations. Yeah. Um. He's a bonehead a little bit. Yeah. Like, he's, he's an immensely skilled kid who really has a lot of desire. And I think he works hard. I just think he's a half a bonehead and just makes some boneheaded throws. And yeah. Bruce Arians was not his best friend, you know, because he would be calling all these vertical routes. I mean, one thing with Brady is he kind of went in there and said, Hey, how about we run a little bit of a little crosser, a little flat, a little something in the little something to the short side of the field, you know? And Arians was like, huh, what are you talking about? We don't just send four deep, you know, it's just like, I don't know. Like, I think, you know, there's a bit of philosophy that wasn't helpful and, I think Sean Payton is as good as offensive mind as there is in the league. And I think he can get the most out of him if anybody's going to. Oh, if he's going to make Taysom Hill somewhat reliable, (laughs) I think he can do that with Jameis Winston. So I think it should be Jameis Winston's job. And everybody that has any sort of um, saint stock should want Jameis Winston uh, under center. I agree. So, in, in Callaway and Juwan Johnson, you know, Juwan, Juwan, I don't own, I don't have any, any uh, Juwan Johnson, but it's not because I don't think he's going to be very good. It's just like, I'm too, at this point in my dynasty career with the amount of league, I'm just too lazy to go and put in a bid for Juwan Johnson. It's but, awful. But he, there is a path there. Um, the thing is with the Callaway thing, like, my most owned dynasty player um, by a long margin because he's the cheapest and he was easy to acquire. So I picked him up and I have him like 67, 68% of my leagues. <laughs> as much as I like Callaway, in dynasty specifically, I'm going to try to offload a lot of these shares. Not a lot of them, but <clears throat> I'll probably try to get down to 40 to 50% share yeah. cash out because. You can say that I've gained equity, but you don't gain equity until you turn until you convert it into actual tangible equity. Correct. So right now, Callaway's oh I've gained so much value. You actually haven't gained any value until you execute on that value. Right. So what I don't want is I don't want to have all of those Callaway and blow the opportunity to get the equity. So I'm going to move some of my shares and you know, take that equity and move it into something else. Absolutely. Uh, So, but I think from a, as a player, obviously I like him enough to have him in so many leagues. Um, I just, there's a lot of guys that I liked that didn't pan out like Justin McCarron's and Ashley Lee, where I had them everywhere and they just, they weren't as good as I thought they would be. Um, So it's not, it's not a given with, with, with Callaway, but I I do really like him. And I think he's got to be the guy and, only because of his name, Little Jordan, do I think he's another guy to own just because his name is Little Jordan. Oh, wait. Hold on. This just in about Little Jordan. He just finished his 40 at the Combine. Great work. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Four, oh, seven, six or whatever he ran. Not yeah, good. Absolutely. No, but that's fine. I mean, he is he is a clasher. He's a big, big, you know, body guy. I With Callaway, you're absolutely right. I mean, 
it's not a it's not set in stone. We feel like I mean, look, he's going in the top 100 now in best ball and read. Well, not all redraft a lot. Here's another one that you should be able to absolutely steal Marquez Callaway in your home league, like redraft. Like that should be your guy because, you know, unless someone scrolls way down and pulls him up, you can just draft him at his ADP, whatever that, you know, like it's at his current ADP where he should be, you know, you just, you know, ninth, 10th round be easy, easy grab. Um, but, uh, but I love Marquez Callaway and you're absolutely right. The story's not written for him because he's an undrafted free agent. You know, we've talked about that a million times. It doesn't mean that you can't be successful. It just means you're not insulated. Um, you know, his opportunity, if he, if he fails, it's like Travis Fulgham last year, you know, everybody thought Travis Fulgham was the new thing. And it's like, uh, he might get cut this week. So yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's not guaranteed. And I'm not saying that Callaway is going to get cut or anything like that. I mean, he's obviously not, but you know, you don't know what the season will bring. Will he, you know, once, you know, defenses sort of quote unquote figure him out, understand what he's trying to do. Will he not be able to adjust and not be able to read, you know, coverages and it's all possible, man. Kimbrell Tompkins. Bingo. Yeah. I mean, we see it all the time. So, you know, it's not, it's not etched in stone, but Jameis is way better for Callaway than, than Taysom just because he'll throw it down the field and Callaway can win downfield. He showed Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. By the way, I have Jawan Johnson kind of everywhere. Uh, I did do the thing where I went to every league and put in a, a waiver request for him, and and uh, and you should too if you're in your dynasty league because he's he's uh, he's free ninety nine. I, I don't think I put a dollar on a single sh- you know opportunity of him, and I, I think I only lost him in like one league. I mean, you know, you don't have to put in any money. You can just I mean, you can put two dollars, whatever. You know, if it's a hundred bucks, you put in one or two bucks. I mean, I just did zero across the board in all my leagues and wasn't worried if I didn't get him. But um, with Troutman hurt and with Troutman not playing on third downs, uh, even when he was healthy, and Juwan Johnson being in on every one of those third downs, look, I'm not saying Juwan Johnson's going to be a top 12 tight end or anything like that because that that that's an inside straight draw. But if all of a sudden he's next, this year's, you know, um, uh, Robert Tunyon, you know, don't be surprised. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Or Darren Waller. Yeah. Um, maybe not this year, but maybe next year. Converted wide receiver to tight end and the whole thing. So, yeah. Speaking of converted tight ends, I'm, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are. Something I ask a lot, of, a lot of people is just the Kyle Pitts situation. What are your thoughts on Kyle Pitts? And I have a pretty interesting take on Kyle Pitts, but you know, dynasty redraft, whatever you want to talk about uh, as a player, as a fit in that offense, just just tell me about Kyle Pitts. My philosophy is to fade tight ends. Typically, I did take a, uh, a rookie tight end, but I did I did scoop him in a couple of um, dynasty leagues. In redraft, I think if it if Julio was there. I think Kyle Pitts would have a really difficult time in redraft. Right. But Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage isn't enough to leave him behind. So Kyle Pitts will be a thing. And the thing is, they're not going to just use Kyle Pitts as a traditional tight end. I think they're going to split him out wide. They're going to get creative with him. I think he's going to be like a... We could see almost like a new breed of player potentially yes. where 10 years from now, we look back and be like, this is what Kyle Pitts did to the NFL. Where 
teams start drafting tight ends, but really what they do is they just throw them all around the field and just give fits to defenses. Yes. Um, so I think that's going to happen. I, I, I've also read all of the reports on Kyle Pitts and nothing has been negative. Like it is right. all like he is the real deal. Um, he's amazing. Yada, yada, yada. So I believe it. Me too. And while I faded him in dynasty, I know that sounds weird because I'm with you. I generally fade tight ends. I mean, the way I looked at it was like, you know, if, you know, with, with tra- in, a, in a dynasty league, are you taking Kelsey or Kittle or Waller or are you taking JT, Dalvin and McCaffrey? You're still taking those guys. Are you taking, you know, um, uh, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, or are you taking, you know, Kelsey and Kittle? You're still taking the quarterback. So in the rookie drafts, I still had Lance and Fields and Lawrence ahead of them. And kind of the running backs too, you know, even Javante, a lot of times I, I, it was a tough call for me. It depends Certainly, if it's premium or not, right? Yeah. So oh, yeah, yeah, premium, yeah. No, no. Right. T- totally different. Totally yeah. different. Yeah, yeah, Then, Then you actually have to start thinking about him very early. You know, two tight end leagues, things like that. Like he's kind of like, you know, is he 101, 104, you know, somewhere in there. He's, you know, you got to start thinking about where you got to take him because he's that valuable chess piece if he hits. Totally different. I totally agree. But in like just a general league, like – I don't know. Like, I, I still think that if Javante is Javante, who we want him to be, you'd rather have uh, you know Nick Chubb than you know than Kittle or whatever. I mean, it's, it's kind of the way it is. I mean, yeah. it's close, you know. So if it's if it's a one tight end, if it's no premium tight end, league, it's it's a who gives a shit for me. Like, I'm not whatever. You can have Kyle Pitts. Like, it's funny. People always make this comment. And it's the wrong way to look at it. Well, if you look at Kelsey and the difference between Kelsey and the tight end 12, look at the points per game difference. Yada, yada, yada. Right. But that's not how this works. You only start one of them. How you do it is you have to look at it. Look at Devontae Adams and what he scored versus wide receiver 37. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, because you start the three, you know. Yes. So it's like the gap between Adams and wide receiver 37 is larger than the gap between Kelsey and tight end 13. So you yes. don't – they tight ends matter, especially like the top ones do. But even in like non-premium leagues, you see like Kyle Pitts going too high in rookie drafts. Um, it might actually not be a mistake depending on how transcendent he actually is. Cool. But philosophically speaking, it's the wrong move to buy into a tight end that cheap. But if he's as good as they say he is and he's transcendent as people think he is, which is very much a possibility. Yes. yes. Then it's obviously a good bet to take him where you're taking him. There's almost no spot where you don't take Travis Kelsey at 23 years old or 22 years old. Of course. At 101. I would understand that. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I do have him in a couple of dynasty spots, but I wasn't, you know, taking him above Fields and Lance and <clears throat> excuse me and and Harris and you know, I just I just wasn't that far ahead uh, 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 of it. I just couldn't get there. But that being said, like I've got him. He's like, like my number two owned tight end in best ball. I love grabbing him best ball because ultimately it's like you know I'm betting on that that um, potential upside, right? Because he does have like if I told you right now that you know basically um, Kyle Pitts has a a Darren Waller season from last year, 
where he's split out wide, beating dudes down the field and running seams and just killing people everywhere all over the field, plays a 90-plus percent snap share, lines up outside, lines up in line. You'd be like, okay, yeah, I believe that. That that fucking that tracks. And it's yeah. harder it's harder to paint a picture where he completely falls on his face. I actually think he has floor and he has ceiling. But to draft him like way too high in the top three or four in a dynasty rookie draft, he kind of has to be Travis Kelsey in order for him to return value for you. But um, yeah. I, I'm in, man. I think he's going to be dope. And, um, you know, I hope he, you know, he's not going to stumble out the gate. He plays Philly in, in week one. So he's going to go for, you know, uh, <laughs> it's true, man. Yeah. I mean, they are awful. Uh, they have no linebackers. Their secondary is beat up. Like, it's just, a, it's, it's going to be really, really bad. And if he doesn't have a, a, a big game in week one, I'll be very surprised. He'll, you know, watch out for Kyle Pitts week one. And then it's going to be impossible to to get him. By the way, in the mm-hmm. in the uh, uh, chat that I've got going, uh, Michael P. Duncan is uh, vomiting on himself. It's really ugly. Uh, noted Philadelphia Eagle fan is just uh, – rolling over right now but uh but what what do you think about um uh, about um uh pitts and his is sort of his ceiling this year do you do you see him as having that sort of you know tight end two ceiling two overall i mean i'd be yeah. t- i mean you yeah. look at um i think it, i think the ceilings i'm not saying that like, that's where i put him i'm not saying that i'm just saying like yeah can, here's the thing like rookies rookie tight ends i know I know. Um, you're looking at Jeremy Shockey and Evan Ingram as like the guys that have eclipsed 700 yards. No one's ever been drafted fourth overall either. Like I'm not saying well, Vernon Davis. Know, what was he? Six what was Vernon Davis? Five, something like that, but not fourth. I don't know where the hell he was, but you know, I guess my point is, is like, this is the guy. And, and uh, I think they see him that way. They moved Julio. I just think like, like, let me ask you this two receiver sets. <laughs> it's possible. He's like out wide. Like, They've got like mm-hmm. Hurst and like oh, yeah. some other jerk off, you know, blocking, and it's Ridley and, and Pitts on the outside. Like, I don't know, man. It's just I think they're going to find ways to look, and it's also Arthur Smith. I don't know. I just think there's a, there's a creativity, a purpose. They're not just bringing him in like, well, let's see how it goes. I think they've got an idea what they want to do, and uh, he could. The ceiling, I guess, is my point. Is there all day long for me anyway? Yeah, and it really does depend on how they use him. Um, yeah, Vernon Davis was sixth overall. Uh, they do split him out wide, and they kind of use him as a quasi receiver. He could actually have the best rookie tight end season of all time, Ever. right? It's yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, it's definitely in the range of the possibilities. But here's the thing: it's hard for me to bet on the best best tight end season of all time. That's been my just argument. because I'm he's really you. good. You know, yes. like you can you can say that he could definitely do it, but. If you're betting, if I'm going to Vegas and I'm putting a bet in, it's hard to make, and it's an even bet because right now we're betting that as even money. Right. Because if you're deciding that, you know, you're making that decision now, even money that he has the greatest tight end rookie season over the last 20 years, let's call it. That's basically what he and, has to do. Yeah. To return yeah value. It's hard. It's that's hard right. to make that. Yeah. So that's it's hard. Right. That's right. No, you're 100% right. That's, that's the bet. And that's why, you know, it's like every time I pick him up, there's a little bit of YOLO in me. I'm like, fuck yeah, let's just go. Let's just yeah. roll it. I know what I'm doing. I know that there's there's built-in downside, but you're just swinging for upside with that pick. And then 
you know, if it's not there, it's not there. I mean, obviously you, you sort of crap out, but if it's not there, you're like no different than any other person with a tight end. It's not like, oh shit, I could have had, you know, because you're basically, it's always after Waller and Kittle, at least in redraft anyway. <laughs> now let's go to overreaction uh, central where it seems as though everybody's pulling the ripcord on Jamar Chase and, and just freaking out because he had three drops and, you know, all right. What do you think here? Is this something to be worried about or absolutely nothing? I think it's absolutely something to worry about. Um, so Jamar Chase was not my wide receiver one uh, in the in the draft. So I was already kind of low on him. Um, and I'm trying to pull something up here. So, yeah, I'll look, I'll look for it here when you're no, chatting. Do it. Take, do it. Um, no, it's fine. I'll pull it up here in a second. It was a tweet. I got to find my tweet. Um, I had it and I lost it. But if you look at the consensus wide receiver ones, we feel that every season, draft season, we kind of we have our consensus wide receiver one, and then we feel like he's a no brainer. And every time it's well, we've never seen a guy like this. We've never seen every time we've never. Well, yes, we have. Yeah, we have. Sometimes it, they work out, and sometimes they don't. So when Jamar Chase has three drops in a game in a preseason game, and then he's been dropping passes in training camp, and he hasn't been creating separation in training camp, and he's struggling in training camp, people still assume that he's going to be just fine, and they don't adjust. To that news every we have with rookies we have puzzle pieces that are not complete we have an un- incomplete puzzle that we're putting pieces together the higher they're drafted the more clarity there is this puzzle but we still need to put pieces into the puzzle to make it fit every piece of information is a puzzle piece i agree and people are ignoring puzzle pieces they're going to help him put this puzzle together, and that's shooting themselves in the foot. Is Jamar Chase going to be a good player? I don't know. Is he going to be a bad player? I don't know. But every single piece of news that comes out is going to push me to one side or the other. And right now, the news is poor. So we have to adjust to that. If we ignore it, that, and that's another thing. That's how you know if, you, if you're fi- following an analyst that is ignoring the Chase news – Stop following that analyst. Like if it's, it shouldn't be a huge overreaction, but there should be a reaction. Just like how we react to Marquez Callaway catching two touchdown passes in the preseason and we take him from X to top 100. If we do the same thing with Devonta Smith, if we're doing the same thing with guys like um, who's an, uh, Ramondra Stevenson, look at where Stevenson's gone in terms of his ADP. It can't matter for some of these guys and then not matter for others. It has to matter for everybody. It's we Folks are denying the facts because they don't want it to be real. And that's the issue with Jamar Chase. So am I fading Jamar Chase? Absolutely. I traded him. I had him in one league that I actually acquired him in a trade in a, in a big package deal. And it's funny is I traded him back to the person that I traded him from initially um but at a better at a better price maybe yeah yeah two days before his debacle game um 
I'm just not touching Chase. I, I, I think um, he's a lot shakier as a, of a player. I had the same issue with Corey Davis. It's, do I like Corey Davis? Yes. Do I like Corey Davis just as much as the rest of the field? Absolutely not. Corey Davis was going 101 at the time in non-superflex leagues ahead of all of the running backs, Fournette, McCaffrey, Cook, Mixon, Kamara, all of them. Okay. We're doing we did the same thing with Chase was actually ahead of Najee Harris as the 101 in one quarterback leagues before you know the camp news started happening. And we used to say the same thing with Corey Davis. Look how high he was drafted, one of the greatest college receivers ever. We may we we haven't seen a receiver this good in a while. History repeating itself with Jamar Chase. Is he gonna be Corey Davis? Or is he Amari Cooper? Could he be yeah, could he be Amari Cooper? (laughs) Could he be? I mean, could he be Julio Jones? I don't know. But right now, if I'm going to the ticket window in Vegas, where am I putting my money? I'm putting my money on more like Corey Davis than more like Julio Jones. Interesting. And I think you'd be foolish to put your money more on Julio Jones than Corey Davis if it's even money right now, based on the news. And I think probably the accurate statement is he's probably closer to what Corey Davis did last season when he actually started developing versus, you know, him being Julio Jones. And I actually compared him to Roddy White and Roddy White had similar, very similar profile coming out of, you know, of college. And it took him a couple of years to actually break out. He wasn't ready to rock right out of the box. And I don't think Jamar Chase is ready to rock out of the box. And that was my big concern with him. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly some, look, I'm, I'm a, skeptic by nature. I'm always finding a way to be wrong, but I also like buying the dip. I think you saw me buy the dip in mm-hmm. our dynasty startup with Carson Wentz, which is looking like a, you know, a great play now and a few others. I don't remember who else, um, whatever. It doesn't matter, but I like buying the dip. Um, but I, I, I think that I, I just recently bought the dip. I'm in a lot of leagues like you are. It's not like I'm buying Jamar chase all over the place, but in one league, I, I see what you think of this one. I traded DK Metcalf for Jamar Chase in a 23 first, and I felt kind of good about it. I mean, I, I'm 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 aware that I'm giving up, you know, the the sort of the higher valued player, but I'm also you know getting a 23 first to go along with it. And you know, if Jamar Chase, you know, this is a blip in the radar and everything else that we've seen from him, because you got to remember, for me, like from an analytics standpoint, Jamar Chase was as can't miss as they come. From a film standpoint, he had some separation issues, but from an analytics standpoint, the only the only thing that I said was we actually this whole year was difficult for analytics because of COVID. He didn't play all year. So like what do you what do you do for his junior year stats? Do you just give him the same thing he did last year? Do you give him zeros? You can't give him zeros. Do you just not count it? Well then uh, nobody ever didn't play their junior year and then was this good. Like so there's this little missing piece of information that's actually a fairly big piece of information how would he have performed without joe burrow against terrace marshall in that offense like if he had just put up another sick season where he just dominated again well then that's one thing if he'd have gone out and been eh, pretty good then that's a whole nother thing and so we don't know what that would have been because it didn't happen and then he's drafted fifth overall yada yada the rest is history athletically he's all there um you know you know, there's a lot to like. However, 
I'm with you. Nothing's a sure thing. And I realized that I was the one absorbing the risk in that deal. Um, do you hate it? Mm-hmm. So give it to me one more time. Just It was just uh, DK I gave up. It's a pretty good team too. So DK mm-hmm. gave up. I got Jamar Chase and a 23 first. 23 first. Yeah. Um, yeah, the 22 first or 23 first. I don't – maybe he didn't have one or something like that. And So how good is this owner? New. This GM. Oh, it's new. Oh, new to Dynasty. So he could shit the bed? Yeah. He's new. When, and when was it completed? He took off an orphan. He took over an orphan, and he was pretty good. Uh, pretty good team. I mean, it's not a bad team, but you know, I'm just banking on 23 being a good class, and him maybe you know. And you just did this recently, right? Right, right after the the news of him, the three drops. You know, where he was looking to bail, and I might have been able to squeeze it. That's actually the mistake I made. Is I don't, I don't think I squeezed the deal enough, but that's besides the point. The 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 philosophy of mm-hmm. moving a a stud for a quote unquote stud plus a 23 first is 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 tough not to do sometimes you know it's a it's a it's a game theory trade that i i try to make is you know betting on, i probably should have just asked for another but it doesn't really matter i mean either either chase w- works out and it's a fucking awesome trade or he doesn't and it's Nikhil harry type of thing right you know what i mean like yeah. if he's Nikhil harry or if he's odell beckham it that 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 tells you what, what happened right you know yeah I, I get both sides i get both sides and i think for me it's like you're kind of waiting for, for me, I'd be waiting for the opportunity to trade chase. Um, which I might. Yeah, I might. Absolutely. Cause then I get oh, the yeah. 23 first. Maybe I can leverage that into a, another player plus another pick. Maybe I can trade chase yeah. for, I don't know, Tyler Lockett plus a first, uh, you know, or, or something. I don't know. I'm just thinking, you know, yeah. right. You know, that'd be, I, I get it. I get the angle. I think it's ballsy. I don't know if I would do it, but I understand once again, I don't know. Right. No, like I don't know, like right. I don't know Jamar Chase enough to like confidently say one way or the other. And I don't like when my so I'm not a Jamar Chase fan, and I don't think he. I, I think he's going to be solid, but I don't think he's going to be spectacular. I think he'll be a. I think his ceiling is like Roddy White, which is a really really good player for sure. four or five years, top five type player. But he's not. He's not like a Hall of Famer, okay? right? So does he hit that? Not sure. I think, but that's his range of outcomes. Even with the news, it's way too early to be like, okay, he's not going to be that good. Um, but it's a confidence thing and he's lost it for, in the meantime. Can he get it? Absolutely. So the trade is very ballsy. I don't know if I would make it, but I understand why you would do it. Right. So definitely get it there. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So let me, let me, t- I found the tweet. So Go this is it. actually one year ago yesterday. I put okay. this tweet out. So the first, because we were talking about receivers and how guaranteed they are. Like, it feels like people think they're just so guaranteed. So since 2012, I'm just going to do 2012 just because it helps my point a little more because 2010 and 2011 were actually pretty good. So let's go with 2012. Um, First wide receiver drafted in that class was Justin Blackman. The second wide receiver drafted was Michael Floyd. The third wide receiver drafted was Kendall Wright. Bomb, bomb, bomb. In 2013, the first wide receiver drafted was Tavon Austin. The second one was DeAndre Hopkins. And the third one was Cordero Patterson. So, obviously, Hopkins, Hall of Famer, absolute stud. I bet, you, I bet you most of those busts were seniors, too. I'm not looking at it. But, yeah, the senior first-round wide receiver is not a good prototype, which is what's weird about uh, Devontae Smith. But I'll let you keep going because I love yeah. where you're going. 
So Sammy, so 2014 is the year that really screwed new dynasty owners into thinking rookie wide receivers. If you were a veteran dynasty player, you took advantage of people that were newer to dynasty that came in in 2014, 2015, 20, or 2015, 2016, because they were still drafting wide receivers early for the following three years. And it bombed. Yeah, it sure did. For those three years. And you took advantage of it. Um, 2014, Sammy Watkins, Mike Evans, OBJ. I still think Sammy Watkins is a hit only for the reason he had multiple 1,000-yard seasons and you had every opportunity to trade him. He hit. He went up in value. Just because he shot the bet after that doesn't mean that he's a bust. You're a bust for not taking advantage of the value. <laughs> 2015, it was Amari Cooper, first receiver taken. Then Devonte Park, or excuse me, then Kevin White, and then Devonte Parker. So, outside of Cooper, bust, bust. Twenty sixteen. This was horrible. It was Corey Coleman. It was Laquan Treadwell. It was Nelson Aguilar. Bomb, bomb. Um, Twenty seventeen. It was Corey Davis, Mike Williams, and John Tom Ross. Ross. Yep, 2016 also had Josh Doxson in that draft too. So, um, I see, excuse me, no, it's not was 2015. Josh Doxson was 2016. So they, the, the, all it doesn't matter. They all bombed. So whichever, except for Michael Thomas. Um, yeah, but he wasn't in the top three drafted. No, but yes, Michael no, Thomas no, no, was he wasn't. There, yeah, yeah um, no, Corey Coleman. Yeah, I remember. We all love Corey yep. Coleman. And I did love Treadwell. I hated Corey Coleman. Um, so 2017, we went through. 2018 was um, DJ Moore, check. Calvin Ridley, check. And there was only two in the first round. And then 2019 was Marquise Brown. Don't do it to Nikhil me. Harry. Don't mention it. And nobody else. So if you look at, it's less than 50% hit rate on the first three receivers drafted. Uh, the first one drafted with Marquise, so um, three out of five, so three out of, excuse me, three out of eight have been hits in Dynasty. Sure. The second receivers, it's really just one, two, three, three, once again, three out of eight have I hit. Guess, I so, guess. I, I would just, I would push back a little bit insofar as I would say that, and you're right, by the way, don't just look at draft cap and be like, dude, he's a first round pick. He's going to be good. I a hundred percent agree with that. But I will say like, especially like you look at certain classes, like the Mike Williams, John Ross, Corey Davis. I did like Corey Davis. I'm not going to lie. I was a Corey Davis, you know, and you know what? He's playing really good right now. I think, in another world, Corey Davis might have been a little bit better player, but because he wasn't a total bust, he's just been sort of middling. But I, w- I had both Godwin and Galladay ahead of Ross and Williams in that draft class um, this past year. You know, with the I had T. Higgins and Lavisca Chenault ahead of Henry Ruggs. Like I wasn't doing this for Henry Ruggs. You know, so mm-hmm. my process didn't necessarily it certainly missed some of the guys that that I that that were that were flameouts like I didn't have Marquise Brown I did have Nikhil Harry I will say um although I got nervous about Nikhil as soon as he got drafted by my Patriots because of Tom Brady and I don't know I just get I get nervous with Patriots but I I love Nikhil going in so you're right there it's not 
it's not a hundred percent certainty. There's definitely some, um, you know, some, some misses there, but I think you got to look at the right things, you know, early college production, uh, you know, juniors that come out, big schools, you know, the right size, the right prototype, these John Ross, Marquise Brown, Tavon Austin types, I'm never mm-hmm. drafting them in the first round. Zero. Henry sure. Ruggs, just never happening. It's not gonna, it's not gonna happen. A little bit of Jalen Waddle fear here, although I think Jalen Waddle's a better overall player than those players that I just mentioned. So I think he's a tier above them. But I have very little Jalen Waddle for that reason because I fear that he might be pigeonholed as, you know, unable to 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 win in all game situations in the NFL. Um, I'm not fading him big time, but enough where I can't really be wrong on him. Um, yeah. You know, the, so, the whole point of the exercise is just slow your damn roll. Like, yes. Yeah. Draft, draft with caution. Yes. Adjust <laughs> yeah. when you have the opportunity to adjust and just don't turn a blind eye to what we're seeing. That's great. That's, That's great. And advice. then buy the dip and then buy the dip. Like if you like Jamar Chase, just buy the dip. By the dip. I'm with you 100%. And let's go to – speaking of the dip, uh, what uh, – did you see the tweet the Denver Broncos sent out where they uh, they showed their um, their practice facilities uh, sending out the white smoke out the chimney? Do you see that? No. Yeah, it was pretty funny. They basically sent out a, a tweet like – sort of like the Vatican, you know, and they say uh, we've chosen a pope. They did that for the quarterback decision between hmm. uh, Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. So it's going to be Teddy Two Gloves as the starter in week one – uh, you know, do you think they made the right decision, the Broncos, that is, and what do you think it means for the fantasy goodness in Denver? Um, if you're a Bronco, if you, you want a Drew Locke as the quarterback, if you have wide receivers in Denver on your rosters. But I think... With Bridgewater, you kind of keep you're more likely to keep drives alive. Yep. So Teddy won't win you games, but he won't really lose you games either. So when I see a player like that, Denver did upgrade some of their offensive line. They're a little bit better. Their defense is solid. Um, so he's as good as the rest of the team around him, but he's not going to make the receivers really excel. Right. So we have to kind of downgrade Judy and Sutton a little bit. Not not a whole ton because there's still some pretty big risk with Locke. Um, but I think we upgrade the running game. Because I think the game scripts will probably be better with, with Teddy on a more consistent basis. I think there's going to be more ball control. I think drives are going to just be a little bit longer. Uh, Teddy, you know, he'll check down. He'll do that. Um, so a lot of that stuff is just going to be I think Teddy's game script will be better for Denver, which will improve the run game. But I think it hurts the passing game. Yeah, you're. I think you nailed it. I, you know, it was interesting. I had I had thought that, you know, if you just sort of, you know, I heard Mike Lombardi uh, on the uh, the GM podcast, whatever his, his podcast, uh, GM Shuffle, whatever it is. Mike Lombardi, great great podcast by the way, a lot of fun. Him and Adnan Verk. But uh, I do I do like some Mike Lombardi. He just sort of talks you know, like a front office guy and kind of gives you that perspective. And he was just talking about the chess move of whether or not you start Mac Jones week one, the chess move about whether or not you start uh, Justin Fields week one. And then you're thinking about the next move. What if they don't perform? What do I do? What, you know, how does that look? What, you know, what's the team think? Et cetera, et cetera. 
And I, that was the only reason that I thought they'd go with Drew Locke to start was like, here's the dice roll kid. Like if he pans out, he, you know, he's got a higher variance. So the ceiling's higher with, with, with Locke and the, and the floor's lower. So I thought they'd just kind of roll the dice, see if this kid catches that lightning in a bottle. And if he's mm-hmm. better than they thought, well then, fucking a, that's great. They, like they have a like that team, that roster has a legitimate opportunity to win a Super Bowl with a top thirteen quarterback, right? Like, give them any top yeah. thirteen quarterback, that's a Super Bowl contender, right? You agree? And I think that's yeah, and I think that's why I, I I agree. I think from a franchise perspective, like long term, I think you try to see if Drew Locke yeah can put it together. Just but let's I think go. the way that they're looking at it is. Jobs are on the line. Yep. And they don't want to fall too far behind in this division. <laughs> yeah. So right. I think Teddy is <laughs> is gives them the better chance to win games yep. early on. And I think that's what they're going with. I agree. But I feel that if they lose early on in the season, even if it's not Teddy's fault, it could be a I mess. think they make the change. Yeah, I think they make a change to Drew Locke because now it's okay, the season is kind of, you know, kind of lost. Let's see if Drew Locke can, if he, right. how bad or how good is Drew Locke? And then how much do we need to address the position next season? Yeah. One way or the other, I think they were both going to get starts, um, you know, unless one of them just played out their mind. I mean, obviously if they win games and Teddy is, you know, the, the captain of the ship, so to speak. I mean, I think the best case scenario for Teddy, like the ceiling is like mid, you know, quarterback, like in real life as you know, like 15 to 20, like he can be that good. He just can't be a top 10 quarterback, like in the NFL. No, I don't even know if he can be. Oh, and just without fantasy, just in real being, life. Yeah. Like the, yeah. the actual, like, you know, look at yeah. look, you know, the Alex Smith top 15, you know, yeah. like he can kind of be just okay. And I think that's good enough for them to win some games with the defense, the running game, the weapons, etc. you know, no turnovers and play smart it yeah, Chad Pennington, yeah, yeah, bingo. That's a great. That's a great comp. Like, right? Like they won games because he was just so like solid, you know. And 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 the troops rally around his ass too. Like for whatever reason, yeah, he's likable. He's likable, man. Locker rooms love Teddy, so it should be interesting. I, you know, now of course you look at Judy, you look at Sutton. Sutton, dude, Sutton was a big buy for me this offseason. I, mm-hmm. I felt like he was undervalued the whole way. I think I've. Of course, I've got him in that uh, the the dynasty startup uh, that we're doing together, and it's like <clears throat> I just love Sutton's value. You know, his ceiling, his floor versus his value just doesn't make sense to me. Now with the injury, it was a little bit scary here in the preseason, but it sounds like he's going to not be on a pitch count. He's going to play week one. I think Drew Locke would target him a bit more, but maybe the targets are a little bit more efficient with with Teddy mm-hmm. and. He's got to throw it somewhere, and Judy is going to get a lot of targets, I think. This really bodes well for Judy, who he's going to look to the middle of the field and look for open targets, not challenge the outside as much. So yeah, I think touchdowns, that, though. No touchdowns, right? Yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, he's not going to throw yeah. touchdown passes, which, you know, you spoke to it. I think uh, Javante is an absolute stud. I absolutely love Javante. He's kind of my my guy. I think that he, he, he was in uh, – you know, in the running for me for RB one in this class. Um, how did you see the the the, the running back class? Yeah. Were you with me or what? So, so what's funny is um, I had Javante's RB three and Michael Carter's RB four, um, and I felt like 
Javante was closer to Michael Carter or Michael Carter was closer to Javante Williams, however you want to look at it, than Javante Williams was to Najee Harris pre-draft. Um, but I ended up with more Javante Williams than any other running back in Dynasty. Yeah. In, in this rookie class for a couple reasons. One, I found myself just – he was falling to late first. Every and, time. And I had oh. – I just had a lot of late first round Me picks. Me too. I had the 10th pick. And I was just pick. scooping up – Yeah, yes. so scooping up a lot of oh. Javante Williams at 110, 111. Loved it. 112. Oh. Um, and then, oh. you know, I, I had ATN at one. I had Harris at two and Javante at three. Um, pre-draft and after the draft, it's just like I don't like – the fit for ATN in Jacksonville, just because I don't like Urban Meyer, right? Um, so I just ended up with a lot of a lot of Williams, and I, I I like the team situation. I like that Melvin Gordon is kind of there, but he's really I mean it's Melvin Gordon. He he's good, but he's not going to be a guy that I'm worried about long term. And Williams is, I think he's good enough to be good in the right situation. I think. Denver's a really good spot for him. So I, I just like everything about it and kind of just where the draft position was. So right. I'm, I'm, I was surprised when I did my, my review of my rosters and he was my most owned rookie running back. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I had him uh, very close to RB1. For me, it was those three guys and it was – I had Javante much closer to – those two than anybody else. I mean, for me, you know, Javante just checks a lot of boxes. You know, he's also got that body. You know, he's just that 5'10", 220, which, you know, just shows up over and over and over again in our elite backs. The one thing he didn't have was that breakaway speed, which I don't think he will have. He's a little David Montgomery in that way, but he's way more explosive uh, in terms of his burst and acceleration than Monty ever was. So I think he's kind of closer to maybe Kareem Hunt than he is uh, David Montgomery. I just think he really has some some skill. He's a – I guess he was valedictorian and all sorts of, you know, unbelievable shit about this kid that I've had a lot of people on the pod and talked about him. And he's an impressive dude and, and uh, seems to be winning over that job yeah. now. And with – like you say with Teddy, I think those drives are going to uh, continue on third down conversion with, yeah. with Teddy being real efficient. Yeah, I think my issue with Williams pre-draft is played in North Carolina. Yep. Played some pretty soft competition. For sure. And Michael Carter played just as well as he did in yep. both years. Like, So they're really negligible. If you look at their stat line side by side, and even if you looked at them playing, you obviously know that one's different. But yeah, they both cooked in the same offense. But we are so high on Williams and so low on Carter. And for me, like I said, the statistics are negligible. You couldn't justify the difference in ADP outside of saying, well, one is small and one is big. So I'm going to put the big guy as super high and the little guy super low. We, we did have, um, uh, we did have uh, Mark Mathic, a uh, member of the Undroppables, did a little bit of either he did research or he stole the information. Either way, I call that research. Um, he, he had mentioned, I, I think he did credit someone. I just forget who the fuck it was, but there was uh, of course it was somebody else. It's always somebody else that figures it out first. But, um, he, he had mentioned the percentage of third and fourth, uh, and short, uh, opportunities yeah. that yep. Javante had versus Michael Carter and Javante had like, it was some crazy high number, like almost 30% of his, uh, carries 
were third or fourth and short or something like short yarded situations, goal line, et cetera, where Michael Carter saw like 8%. So point was, is that he saw a lot of opportunities where getting a yard was a successful run, you know, goal line, et cetera. I mean, he had 22 touchdowns. Dude was, you know, I saw, I said he was tackled by the end zone 22 times. Um, you know, so yeah, but to your was point, that based in. earlier about not having breakaway speed, yes. he also had plenty of opportunities where anybody that was faster Caught would have him. broken. Yes, you would have broken that yeah. into a bigger run or a touchdown. So, like, it kind of goes both ways. And I get what you're saying. And I saw the statistic and and so on and so forth. It was interesting. Um, yeah, it is interesting, but. Still, to me, it's 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 north, and you every single highlight of Javante Williams <laughs> is against the yeah, University the of Miami. Where, yeah, where he's running those dudes over. I mean, yeah, he, and it's like yeah. Miami was a train wreck. Everybody destroyed that team. So it's just, do I think he's good? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, do I think he's RB one in the draft class? No, but. <clears throat> I've been wrong before and I'll be wrong again. So I think he's going to be absolutely solid. Be, I think he's I, be I just solid. don't – yeah, I think Najee Harris is – I think ATN and Najee Harris are better than Javante Williams. I'd be stunned if Javante Williams was a better NFL running back than Najee Harris was. There you go. You heard it. Well, speaking of – let's finish with America's team. How about them Cowboys? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if you're watching. Are you watching Hard Knocks? We didn't even talk about this. I put no, that on. no. Oh. So, friend of the show, uh, Jaquan Hardy, um, you know, made his his debut on the show, which was really cool. We had him on the show, and the aforementioned Mark Mathic and our producer Michael P. Duncan, Michael P. Duncan, interviewed him, and uh, they had a ton of fun. And he was just a really cool kid. You heard it in the interview, and you saw it on Hard Knocks this this past week. And um, you know, he had a he had a bunch of drops. He lost his contact lens. He's all over the place. Probably not going to make the team. Who knows? I don't know. It's like you know, I'd love to see him make the team. And you know, we were we were trying to get Ja uh, Jaquan drafted uh, out of a small school, Tiffin. I'm sure you know who he is, but uh, either way, um, it was pretty cool to watch. But uh, the thing that's really interesting in Dallas is probably not their bubble running back, but rather Dak Prescott and his health and situation. Uh, I am not exactly worried at all, although I'm always worried, but. Uh, I'm not really specifically worried in this situation. I think Dallas is going to cook. Uh, what say you, Izzy? Um, I think that, I mean, if you look at the first five weeks of um, last season, it's hard not to imagine them cooking unless Dak is going to struggle with health. Well, the shoulder, right? The ankle. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing to be worried about. You're right. yeah, I'm not injuries. really worried about the ankle. I'm worried yeah. about the shoulder. And they say that he's going to be fine. Um, so it's all predicated on that, but if his shoulder is fine and once again, with injuries, I hate the doctor thing. Um, because I, I don't know. Same thing with cam Akers. Like everybody's like, Oh, he's never going to play. He's going to be horrible. It's like, well, we don't know. We don't, um, Mikel Ashore. Well, Mikel Ashore, we don't even know if he was good because he got hurt in his rookie season. So how do we know he's even good? My take was you can't come back if you were never there. Mikel Ashore yeah. was never arrived. He was never there. He can't come back. He yeah. was never fucking there. Right. So it's like it, we don't know with injuries and I with with Dax and his shoulder. I'm not, with that. I just assume like he's gonna be fine right. because all <laughs> I don't know what else to think. Like I'm not a doctor, so I can't. I don't look at X rays and I don't look at MRIs and I can't tell you. But 
I just assume that he's going to be fine. And once again, I look at a dynasty lens because I, I do do redraft. Um, but the gravity of the situation doesn't strike fear in me. So I think, by the way, Lamb was not my wide receiver one last year. It was, it was Judy. But I think Lamb is – this time next year, I think Lamb will be a top three drafted wide receiver in Dynasty. He already is my my uh, wide receiver one or two. I mean, to me, Lamb was clearly yeah. my wide receiver one last year. Everybody definitely knows that about me and Lamb. I mean, I was all over CD. I think he's an absolute stud. He's got that just that that swag too. Like he he's a gamer. Just, oh, he is something, man. He is such a hell of a player. He can do everything. You know, I mean, he played in the slot this whole last year. They're moving him outside a little bit. I'm a huge CD Lamb fan. I think the problem, though, you know, it was like it was the best situation and not the worst, but the the negative of the situation is Gallup, Cooper, Lamb. The ceilings are capped, at least for the season, not weekly. Weekly ceiling, they have huge weekly ceiling, but they just can't. Nobody's going to get 170 targets like that unless injury. Well, you look at the pace that they were on was was record breaking. Dude, it was awesome. (laughs) So, yeah. I would not be surprised if if Lamb, even though I think he's being drafted as like wide receiver twenty in redraft, higher, higher. Hold on, let me tell you, it's it's fucking crazy, dude. Like in best ball right now, uh, hold on, I'm right there in best ball. Is what, uh... In best ball, he is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine wide receiver nine going okay. ahead yes. of Keenan Allen Love. and Terry McLaurin. It is it is oh, it's too much. I I am not drafting him at wide receiver nine in best ball and yeah that's just too rich especially considering how efficient amari cooper and dak prescott have been together when they're on the field it's been it's been really good for amari cooper yeah he'd need an injury um he would uh but which is possible possible it's also the pay if they if they return to 2020 First five week pace. That's cool. Um, then yeah, then yeah, you, you can justify him being top ten because you'll probably get there if, if they're throwing for six thousand yards. Um, but I agree. I think he's a great Amari Cooper in dynasty and in redraft. I'm just like I'm kind of to be honest with you. I love Amari Cooper, but I'm sick of Amari Cooper. <laughs> like he's just like he's he's there. He's he's good. He's oh. He's a a horrible Batman, but he's a fantastic Robin. But he's never had a Batman, so he's he always now. had to be the Batman. He does, and now. he yeah. And now he, I think C.D. Lamb will be the wide receiver one there, um, and I think Cooper is going to finally be the wide receiver two that he needs to be. So he, yeah, in, I mean, in Dynasty, I think Cooper's a sell, and, and Lamb. I know he's already super expensive, but I agree with you. I, I have a hard time. For me, AJ Brown is is one, and yep. it's not close. Uh, and then there's a gap, and it could be you can make a case for Jefferson and yep. Lamb as two and three yep. in whatever order. And then for me, it's getting into the conversation of then there's a drop off, and then it's the DKs and uh, and I think it's really just DK. And then there's another for me in Dynasty, it's these receivers. I don't want to draft the Adamses and the Hills and the Diggs and the Hopkins. They're just too – they've aged out, and now I'm basically drafting or having them to keep them until they retire because they're much more valuable producing on my team than they are in trade. Yep. And then at some point in time, they're going to be worth nothing 
or very little, aka Julio Jones. And now I'm really not getting the consistent high-end production and I have no equity to show for. So for me, I'm always trying to transition my high-end equity into the next big things. And I think the next big things are Brown, Lamb, Jefferson, a little bit of a gap, and DK, unless DK becomes a more polished all-around receiver. But there is going to be a changing of the guard, Jax, in this. There is an absolute change of the guard that's going to have to happen in Dynasty because Adams, Hill, Diggs, Hopkins, Ridley, even McLaurin, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, Allen Robinson, Robert Woods, uh, Julio, Cooper Cup, Adam Thielen, all these guys I just named are like going twenty-six more. Yeah, twenty-six or twenty-seven. Or more. Yeah, yeah, twenty-six. McLaurin and and Ridley are twenty-six, turning twenty-seven by the yep. end of the season or beginning of next season. And there's going to be a little bit of a changing of the guard here. So, um, all the CD Lamb. I agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. And and you're you're right though. It's like you know, uh, it, it's interesting. So we're we're doing the the dynasty game three. By the way. Thank you for saying yes and joining the Dynasty Game Theory Invitational. is a really cool league. Uh, it's a fucking shark's uh, haven. Uh, it's unbelievable. And uh, But thank you for saying yes because I know it's easy to be like, ah, I'm in too many leagues, go fuck yourself, which we say a million times to a million <laughs> leagues. Well, yeah, and I only said yes because I saw the lineup of people and I'm like, <laughs> there's a lot of guys that I haven't played in Dynasty Leagues with that's that what I, I wanted to, to play in a Dynasty League with. So I'm like, yeah. let's just, yeah, heck yeah, I'll do this. Yeah, that's why I did it. I tried to pick, like, rather than one circle of influence, I tried to really grab people from different spots that don't normally interact. It's not like this, mm-hmm. well, we say it on, you know, not a circle jerk like, you know, Twitter sometimes can be. So, oh, yeah. I, you know, I really Turkey. tried, yeah, oh, yeah, get the hell out of here. So I wanted to get a lot of different, you know, people and, and guys that I respected. It, it, you know, yeah, I wanted a big name, I guess, or whatever, but more so people that I've encountered over the years that, I think are fucking smart. And so anyway, I do the league. You guys were almost done. Were we in like round 30 or something, which is basically the, the end of it. Like, you know, it's like, we're just drafting for fun now. Um, but <laughs> I, you're not going to believe this, but I, I, you know, I told the listeners and I had sent out a thing that I do a league. And so I actually did a, a, a proxy of that league, an absolute carbon copy, 14 team, same thing. I'm in it right now. Like, uh, we're in like round 22 or 23 or whatever, right behind, you know, the one that we're at. Um, and so the listener league is like, it's me, Michael P. Duncan, Michael P. Duncan, um, and uh, mm-hmm. Don Mega, uh, Ashley, uh, our, our newest undroppable, who's awesome, by the way. Uh, my dynasty nemesis, CMFK is in the league, and then like nine listeners, you know? Mm-hmm. And so uh, in that league, ironically, I have Devontae Adams and, and DeAndre Hopkins because. I'm like sitting there, you know, wherever. I don't remember where I got Hopkins, like late, like, and I'm like, I guess I'm a win now team. Like, I don't know what the hell else to do. Like, you know, yeah. the youth just gets sucked up early. I trade back a little bit trying to, you know, land a, you know, a T Higgins or a, you know, Terry McLaurin. And it's just, they're gone, you know? And it's like, I'm looking at DeAndre Hopkins near like wide receiver 20 or something. I don't remember where I got him, but it was pretty late. Like, you know, all of the yeah. reasonable options before him are gone. And it's like, I guess I'll click the button on DeAndre Hopkins and win this year, you know? So there's times where the value makes sense, but <clears throat> excuse me, in general, I'm with you. Like, you know, and, and and I guess the point is, is the community's with you, right? Um, we can rank them where we rank them, but when it comes time to click the button, it's hard to push the button for DeAndre Hopkins in a startup. It is, and especially so. This is a, a, a 
the common thing that most people don't really realize. In a 12-team league versus a 14-team league, yep. older players should be valued less yep. for one specific reason. It is harder to win a 14-team league than a 12-team league. So if you're drafting these older guys in a 14-team league, you're not baking in the fact that you, A, have to go for it, and B, the odds of you winning, and especially in a startup where the playing field was even to start, is difficult. Theoretically, it's yes. One thing to, yeah, it's one thing to trade for an older player two or three or four years into a, a league when you've kind of started to create a little bit of gap between you and your peers. But drafting them and saying, I'm going to win now in a 14-team league, especially with the amount of starters that you have in this league, this format yeah. is 14 teams start 12. Yeah. It's basically, and I mentioned this in the chat, it's a it's a glorified best ball league. Yes. You're starting like just all you're starting your the guys, guys that yes. yeah, you're starting guys that actually could score in a best ball league. You're not going to be starting the 20th round players. Like they're just they're really not going to produce for you. You're really just wait, kind of hoping for injuries and waiting for opportunities for those guys. Right. So it just I understand why a lot of the older players fell in our draft. And I don't yes. know if the guys are anti-age in our draft or not, or whether they were smart enough to figure out, well, it's a 14-team league versus 12, and my odds decrease significantly, and now it's harder to move these older players if I don't want to win now, and yada, yada, yada. So you kind of – it forces your hand. Yes. Yes, it does. And it's just – it just makes it difficult. And that's why I kind of – I tried to stay away from aging myself out. I tried to get guys that are veterans, but not guys that I couldn't get out from underneath. Um, and Derrick Henry, I think, fell like the fifth round. <laughs> yeah, he was 5.501. And mm-hmm. that's the team that's probably favored is Thor Nystrom. Uh, let me look at it. I'm going to look at it right now. It's pretty awesome. It's a actually. great team. It's a great team. There's a couple of really, really good teams. The problem is <laughs> in a 14-team league, start 12 – it's not the guys that have the best teams on paper Correct. and top heavy. It's the teams that have the best handcuffs. They yep. get the luckiest with injuries and yes. have the best depth that they can plug in throughout the course of the season, especially when you get into week 15, 16, 17. It's going to be a war of attrition. Yeah. That, so I, just, did, I did play the depth game. I have the best depth in the league. That's that's not even a question. But, I tried to do what you did, which yeah. is like keep trying to trade down like the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth round and try yes. to like stockpile a bunch of those picks. Yeah, stay in the top um, 12, 10, 12 rounds and yep. just keep as much. I think I had uh, 16 picks in the first 12 rounds. Yeah, and I had 14. So yeah. I, I tried. Yeah. Um, but it, it became more and more difficult. It is difficult. But you traded your first round pick. No, no. I was a second. You traded one of your early picks. I I have two. I have uh I have two first round picks. So yeah, I'm I traded. No, no, your first round startup pick. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So you traded your first round startup pick and I yeah. Yeah, and I couldn't do I didn't want to do that because in a league like that, once again, it is so damn hard to get a high end quarterback. And I think you're going to like Brady and (laughs) Brady Cousins and Wentz. Yeah, I mean, it might work out for you. I think Cousins <laughs> Wentz is very underrated. You're right. Um, but it's it's not how – I would be – I would lose sleep if that was my quarterback <laughs> room in, in a deep in a deep league with this many starters. But yeah, no, it's – it's Kudos uh, to you. I didn't want to be there because like <clears> – excuse me. Brady, I had to take as quarterback like 22 at 4.2. Like it wasn't like I – you know, I wasn't like – 
tempting fate with quarterback. It was just like, oh my God, like the, it went crazy. Like something like 14 of the first, like 17 picks or quarterback. It was nuts, you know? Yeah. So that, that was what made it difficult because I was thinking that there'd be a little bit more depth, maybe get to a Ryan Tannehill at that point, but he was long gone. So I had to take Brady uh, and cousins back to back at four, two and four, six. And, and Carson Wentz at five thirteen probably looked like a bit of a reach, but I think it ended. Well, up I thought it was a great pick. I, yeah, I, I remember I you commented on that. Yeah, you did. Yeah. yeah, because I mean, you know, he's not dead. I mean, he might no. suck. It's certainly fucking possible that he's terrible, but it's definitely he's going to play. I mean, you kind of like a, as a QB three, not yeah. not just like your QB three, but I think he was outside the top twenty four. Yeah, you, you may oh hundred percent he was. As a matter of fact, um, I'll look it up real quick because now you got me thinking. Yeah, so you're absolutely right. I got him at, at quarterback twenty six. So you're right. He yeah. was drafted as a a, a a quarterback three. And what's interesting is the next um, uh, no, excuse me, further down the line was the 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 Drew Lock Teddy Bridgewater, and I think uh, I think it was Pat Corain or whatever doubled up on that and got him. And in the copycat league, the the listener league, I did the same. I got Lock and Bridgewater. It just figuring. You know, at that at that mm-hmm. late round, it's it's actually a pretty good plan. Same thing as is maybe getting the Winston Taysom Hill stack, and just you know, one way or the other, you've got the the starter in New Orleans and and kind of a high end one. I thought you did a good job getting Winston in that league. That that was a that was a very smart pick. Yeah, I think he was my fourth quarterback. He's fragile, but yeah. yeah, you did. You did great. You, you definitely stockpiled quarterback, which is smart. You know, I had Scott Connor on the show last week, and he was talking about how there's a couple of teams with like literally one quarterback and in this league, in this format where, you know, it's super flex six point passing touchdown, as well as, um, you know, uh, point per completion point per incompletion, whatever, you know, is value to uh, completion percentage. Uh, the quarterback scoring is going to be high and to not have a quarterback being able to play mm-hmm. in your 12th spot, you know, uh, whereas that that's going to be a huge difference because you're either playing some shit bag or a starting quarterback. And that's going to be a huge difference in points. Yep. No, yeah. absolutely. I, the, a lot of people played with fire, whether it was just because they didn't realize that quarterbacks would go that <laughs> yeah. fast and they thought they'd be able to. A lot of people like, oh, I fade quarterbacks and get them later. But when you're talking about a 14 team league with these yeah. settings and it's and it's half a it's a quarter point. Or was it, it's a half point per first down. So running yep. quarterbacks and just mobile quarterbacks, you just get those extra points. Yep. Um, they went off the board quick. As they yes, should have. As they should have. As they should have. Yep, absolutely. So it'll be a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun having you here today. Um, anything else you want to talk about, or I mean, anything you want to mention, no. or you know, I feel it, like I mean, we. I don't know who would want to listen to us talk for two hours, but you'd be surprised. Might be out there. Yeah. No, these guys. What they do is they take a huge bong hit. And then they just sit there on the couch. I'm just telling you, out, I know yeah. my listeners. Listen, I got like nine listeners in the league. They're all talking about how they're drinking. And look, I know for a fact, everybody listening right now is probably drunk. Well, yeah. I mean, two fact. hours into drinking. Yeah. You got, yeah, you probably should be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They're, they're stoned <laughs> on their couch They're It's a, it's a 30 year old guy. I got guys from Denmark all over the country. I, I, I can't believe it. You know I mean? You know, we, we got Brazil in the league. We got Denmark. We got, uh, we got it's all over the it's unbelievable. Hey, United and, Nations, huh? Yeah, absolutely. We got the UN. We're solving it's world peace. You know, it's un, the undrafted it. podcast, world peace. It's what it is. We got to figure I it out. It. Yep. And the aforementioned Michael P. Duncan is also in the league. Everybody knows Michael P. Duncan. Unbelievable. All right, is he man. Still awake? It's it's highly unlikely. We should invite him in. Yeah. Um, uh, he's dead. He died. 
No. I probably fell asleep. He is. But yeah. Passed out. <laughs> uh, anyway. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks so much, man. It was a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Izzy, tell tell everybody where you're at. Um, I know you're the Pharaoh of Fantasy at DTC underscore Izzy E on Twitter, but tell everybody what you're up to, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I own DTC, so I don't do much writing. I just kind of operate and just kind of run the show there. Uh, podcast, DynastyTradeCalculator.com. You can find our podcast on whatever, uh, whatever venues or forums or whatever mediums you can use to find our podcast and like you mentioned on twitter but um i'm not very i kind of my twitter is seldom valuable content and more just like comments where my valuable content is is usually on podcasts yeah absolutely well you guys have a good podcast i like listening and uh you know it's uh nick whalen and you and jp it's it's a it's a good pod i do listen and uh, you know, if you guys want to start winning some leagues, you can come start listening to my pod. There's no, no, no Love problem it. at all. It's all, it's all good. But, uh, no, I appreciate it. You're <laughs> awesome. You were, you were great, man. We had a lot of fun. I, I've been meaning to catch up with you. I'm so glad you're in the, the, uh, the league with me. Uh, it's great to meet you, talk to you and, uh, have you on the show. And I thank you so much. Yeah. Honored in all accounts. So I appreciate it. Cheers, brother. On behalf right, of everybody at the undroppables, on behalf of everybody at the undrafted and on behalf of a sad Philadelphia fan, Michael P. Duncan, the greatest producer in all the world. On behalf of Izzy Elkafaz, I am Jax Falcone, and we are out. Hey!